Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Three hours of learning to help you uh, live healthier and love and just get a better life. Welcome to the program. Tragedy in France. Tragic. The latest reports, what, 148 people on a uh, German uh, discount airline, as they call it. Yeah, but like subsidiary of Lufthansa. Lufthansa? Yes. Say that? Sad. 140. But it's high in the Alps, and so they uh, they fear there's no, no survivors. survivors. One, the crash. Two, the weather. I mean, that could be anywhere. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Ah, well, uh, it's kind of a hard way to start the show, but that's the news. You're hearing about it all over. They're rushing to the scene, but they don't quite, you know, what do you find up in the mountains? It's probably going to be difficult to get to and kind of a prolonged situation. Yeah. There's that or, you know, over the ocean. Yeah. We've had a lot (laughs) of the ocean ones. There's still planes we have yet to find. I mean, that just blows my mind. But again, uh, remember, we're hearing about all of these things now. Years, years, years ago, you just wouldn't hear about it. Now, in fact, interestingly, uh, President Holland Holland from France is um, in Spain. Is Spain the King of Spain is in France with him? Okay. And Angela Merkel's gonna call him. I mean, there's a ton of Spanish. Uh, citizens on that airplane, I think 50, uh, 48 of the 148. It says here the flight was reportedly descending at about 3,000 to 4,000 feet per minute, Mm. which is a uh, standard for trying to come out of the Alps into the airport they were trying to go to, and a distress call was sent before the flight disappeared from radar. Man. So they had some sort of an issue. Well, we wish them the best and uh, their families as well. Again, it's it's uh, what do you do? This is life, and life is just sometimes cold and unfair. Uh, one of the things on the show we're going to be talking about, we've got some interesting headlines we wanted to go over. Uh, Terry's been researching, and he finds these stories that I, I think are fascinating, and we never really get to get to them. He's been chomping at the bit to talk about license plates. License plates. We need a little time to and freedom uh, and, and freedoms. And the and First Amendment is kind of how it's working out. Yeah. So we're going to get to that in the first block. We're also going to talk about um, how to cure the cool kids. Have you ever noticed those, you know, really when you were young, there was just some kids that were just so off the, you know, shelf cool. They were just cool. From the beginning, they were just cool. Well, some of the research is showing that the coolest kids when they're young don't always turn out to be the healthiest kids when they're older. So we'll talk about maybe uh, how to watch out for the cool kid attitude. Does and that feed into education? It might. It or also, maybe they don't want to achieve because they don't want to look too smart. Well, and and some of it's just maturity. Like they're, they're, they have a fake maturity. Hmm. So then all of a sudden it, they haven't really matured. So your maturity needs to happen over time. Developmentally, you need to grow slow. 
these kids tend to mature. These are the ones that are maybe like smoking to be cool when they're really young. And then all of a sudden they've just had this pseudo maturity and eventually it catches up with them. Hmm. So we'll talk about that, how to watch out for that. And then Heather Johnson's going to join us in hour number three of the show. And she's just going to teach us more about how to, how to build healthy families, families that uh, can get results together. Uh, but first, let's get to some of the headlines. The big news in, in the U.S. yesterday, at least politically, I guess, Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas. That's the big news. He declares it's one. You watch the news. It led most of the newscasts as they talked about him declaring he's the first one to declare for president. He's in. Yeah. Everyone's waiting for all the 20 other people to jump in, I guess, and, and, and declare that they are truly going to run. And then we get the nonsense of the primary season as everyone tries to outdo each other when it comes to uh, votes for their party. <laughs> he announced his 2016 presidential bid as a speech at Liberty University where he asked voters to imagine a more prosperous America free of Obamacare and the IRS. Oh, wow. He wants to do away with Obamacare and he goes, imagine if we could do away with the IRS. Well, and while we're at it, let's get rid of weeds, <laughs> noxious fumes, and... Waste. And waste in general. He says it's time for truth. It's time for liberty. It's time to reclaim the Constitution. Speech was held. Liberty, do you know where Liberty University is? Uh, isn't it where they said, give me liberty or give me – what's the phrase, James? Give me liberty or give me a conservative college on the East Coast somewhere. Yeah, that's it. It's the largest Christian community or is uh, it, Yeah, where is it? It's in one of the Carolinas. It's one of the Carolinas. It's ran by uh, – Fall, uh, the Falwell, yeah, Jerry Falwell, the, the, those uh, that individual. This is a speech held there. Uh, Cruz's announcement was made at uh, a three time a week mandatory attendance for the students on campus yeah. convocation. Really, so right? mandatory. So they, they have a, a convocation, a meeting. It's in this this amphitheater type thing. There's ten thousand people, and if you if you live on campus, you, you be have there. to show up. Huh. And he was there, Ted Cruz. And they know. have guest speakers. Yeah. Just happened this time it was a guest speaker on national TV. And, and I'm sure when Ted announced, it was like a rocket taking off his candidacy, just has it just soaring for the stars. And has it, <laughs> has it jettisoned well, its. Well, first off, um, after, as the announcement was happening, People on TV were noticing all the people in Rand Paul T-shirts that were in attendance. Oh, wow. Because I, the students, they're, all, they're not all yeah. for Cruz. No, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're there because— They're uh, independent minds at there Liberty. There is a $10 and, fee if you miss that meeting and you live on campus, according to the honor code of Liberty University. Interesting. So the students were kind of compelled to be there. It's, they have to be there. It's a mandatory meeting. Be it's there. like it's uh, they—who uh, I was reading— um, Look happy. Oh, it was Mashable.com, so mm-hmm. a, kind of a news sort of website. They go, they called the university and found out that there is a rule you have to be there. It's it's like another <laughs> class. It's just – it's yeah. there's no classes. School shuts down. Everyone goes to this. So he set up a meeting at a mandatory meeting, so he had this audience built in. Yeah, how great Because you don't want that? to announce your, your, your political candidacy and have – Twelve know, people, an empty stadium. Your family. You, you want to make it look big and have a yeah. bunch of people. So the the students were there, but at the same time, they're on Twitter and other social media saying this is awesome. People think that we're all in support of this. 
But oh, we no. have to be here. That and they're of, wearing their Rand Paul t-shirts. And they're wearing Rand Paul t-shirts, and it was just kind of an interesting <laughs> situation. And then the idea of there's a $10 fine if you don't show up and yeah. all this other stuff. You will be there. Cheer loud. Early polling in some of the primary states, mm-hmm. Iowa. states taken like off. The early taken off. He's in single digits. So it's just a launch, though. So he's just starting. See, I, what I like about this is he's not forming a committee. Just jump right in. Why why form a committee when you're going to run anyway? Just jump on in. Yeah. And plus, he's got now early mover advantage. That's the hope, at least from his right? campaign. They feel that he's the first in. He's going to have name recognition. People are going to look to see what his message is before yeah. anybody else. It seems like, too, if you are Rand Paul, you'd be like, oh, he's going to get ahead of me in the conservative side of the GOP. I don't know why anyone else is waiting, but at the same time, they might not be organized enough to, to run at this point. I wonder if this will now make Hillary just jump on in. No. just She'll just be chomping at the bit. She probably won't. I, wait till like next summer. I mean, it really doesn't matter. No one's <laughs> yeah, running. Yeah. I wouldn't jump because that's just work. Yeah. The minute you start this, I mean, we learned from Romney, that just goes on forever. There's a whole new set of rules that govern your life at that yeah. point. So I just found that interesting. Well, that, congrats. Ted Cruz. He, he, he uh, someone did some thinking and found how can we get a, an audience that's going to be there? Well, there's, there's, there's two or three ways. Uh, a rest home. Could do that. They're not going anywhere. Liberty. A, a correctional facility. They're correctional facility. <laughs> you got to choose an audience that's going to. And also a friendly audience. And uh, they love him. They're, they're, they're a pro Republican mm-hmm. campus. Well, a lot so. of presidents go there to make. To have to do a speech, that's fairly common. So it's it's just kind of interesting the the comments from students online and you know it's great about media. students is they're going to speak their mind right. So you can you can you can you know order everybody to go to the meeting, but you can't make them drink. Yeah, you can't make him actually. They're like a bunch of horses. I'm using a lot of horse metaphors today. Apparently. The House, uh, the U.S. House approved a resolution that requests President Obama send lethal arms to Ukraine to assist in fighting against the Russian-backed insurgents. Lethal arms. Lethal arms. We've been giving food, clothing, but supplies. It seems like all arms would be lethal. I guess. Yeah. But so support, they, they suggest we give more lethal support. Yes. So, and and give give more guns and ammo. This was in the House. Yeah, it passed overwhelmingly. Okay, three forty eight to forty eight. Well, because there's people that need to fight a war over there, and they don't have what it takes. Or they do, and they just want more. Somebody else is what they need to do is go to Yemen. Because we lost a half a billion dollars right. worth of arms over there somewhere. And I saw that again. Someone went back and reestablished exactly what was lost. And yeah. Yeah, like four helicopters, uh, three or four airplanes. Where did you put the helicopter? According to the State Department, President Obama is considering sending weapons, but is waiting to track the success of February, uh, the February ceasefire, which, according to reports, wasn't successful. Well, I, I thought we established that like the next day. Yeah. Like I mean, it was within two days, the, the ceasefire I was saw already. a video of like five trucks yeah. with the surface-to-air missile systems on the back all launching at the same time, I mean, that's not working. I think they meant the cease-cease-fire. Yeah. The cease-cease-cease-fire. And new out this morning, uh, reports of Israel spying on private talks the U.S. held with Iran on the nuclear weapons that's ongoing and gave information to members of Congress in order to gain support against the deal. So Israel spied on what the White House was doing, gave that information to Congress. Huh. 
so that Congress would support Israel instead of the White House on the negotiations. Isn't that interesting? This is from the Wall Street Journal. They reported that this morning, citing senior White House officials. The report claims Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu wanted inside information on the closed-door talks in order to lobby support and build a case against the deal. The White House reportedly discovered the snooping after U.S. intelligence agencies spying on Israel (laughs) intercepted uh, messages containing details that only could have come from the meetings. So we found out because our spy agencies are spying on Israel. Oh, sure. To find out that Israel was spying, spying on, on us. Are you spying on us? No. Were you spying on us? No. Were you spying on us? No. In anyone, anyone having any sort of outrage they were spied on is ridiculous because <laughs> everyone why, is spying on that's everybody. Why there's the, that's why there's people that are angry. But we got caught again. Yeah. But, Isn't that interesting? But then they gave the information to our Congress. And it says that the Wall Street Journal also reported that Israel obtained information from confidential U.S. briefings, informants, and diplomatic contacts in Europe. Israeli officials deny the report, of course. We, know, we do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> we do not know about spying. I, just, we... I love when they go, I can't believe you found that out. And everyone's all mad that you're spying on me. And like, well, you found out because you're spying on us. Oh, You know right. what? This reminds me of just like a high school click where a bunch of girls are fighting. Stacy, you were you too were watching Stacy. No, you were watching Stacy. I was watching Susie. And then somebody gets shot. Something like that. Are, are you tired of uh, Hillary Clinton and her emails? Yes. Okay. They, she... they found more out about them. Oh, they did. Yeah, there's more information. Like what? What did we find out? Well, she said that she did that. Her her process was she would take the the the, the important emails from her phone and her her account. Mm-hmm. Send them to send them to her assistants, who had government emails, and then when they received them, then they would be documented and part of the the uh, record. So her documentation was through her people. Yes. So she wasn't. It wasn't like they were recording her email, but her email yeah. she would send it to somebody else right. and her staff, and then it would record that way. Right. Now, but still, it those those documents still went through her server. Right. And now they're saying. That's probably not the case. New York Times reports that a revelation oh came out after roughly 300 emails from Clinton's private account were turned over last month to a House committee investigating the attacks. And what they found was her assistant was actually using a personal account also. So the, her plan didn't work because her know, assistant uh, wasn't using a, a, a government account. We need the Israelis to spy on Clinton to then tell our Congress what's really going on. But, and then our Congress would then deal with it and then and – then Clinton could be mad at Israel. But I, I also reported that soon after that the State Department actually wasn't backing up anything. Yeah. For yeah, we don't. But yeah, they, very they recently. Anyway. And, and then they got they were hacked by what they feel was Russian hackers. Yeah. Their non-secure email system was brought down several days after the this See, whole thing with the email with Hillary. <laughs> so it comes back to probably the most secure record that is of this whole period of time yeah. with Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State is her server. You know what? No. The most so secure... they might need to get that server to figure out what we did as a nation during that so time. So true. The most secure record on the earth is my mother's email account. Why is that? Nobody cares? Well, it's locked and sealed with a password that she cannot remember. There you go. Nobody's getting into that, baby. Nobody. <sighs> Don't bring up Hillary again. Okay. I'll try it. Unless something important happens. Yeah. Let me know if something important happens. Because that, that's just kind of funny. Just, I mean, I'm just tired of my emails. I'm tired of the IRS 
Gates. I'm tired of it all. But we've got more, folks. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, your rights to just have anything you want on your license plate. Should you be able to put anything you want on your plates? When we come back, we'll get into that subject. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, today we are talking about your rights as a citizen, your right to, I guess, to have anything on your license plate that you want. You know, these vanity plates, uh, for example, should you just be able to put anything you want? What's your vanity plate? Uh, love, doctor. That fit? Well, it would be like love, dr. No, it's it's D L V D K T R. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a vanity plate, but if I were going to get a vanity plate, I would. I'd have D R R E A L eight. Doctor Real Eight. Okay, that works. Yeah. Kind of, you'd have to do some explanation to. Uh... I I I I would do the vanity plates, but I'm not vain enough. I'm a narcissist. I'm just not. Vain. Do you have to be vain to have a vanity plate? Well, I think the in the name itself conjures. Okay. The meaning vain. I don't know if people are vain because they have a vanity plate, but maybe they are. Well, a vanity plate is like usually like about you, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Well, these aren't just Grandpa. vanity plates. They're also for causes. Yeah, so talk about that because some... S- some sometimes you'll see like uh, a university. You can pick a university from your state and you want to have their logo on your license plate or I've seen them to support schools or support uh, pets, charities. pets adoption yeah. charities. And they'll give like a percentage of whatever the fee is as a donation along so, with so, it. But, so it's a fundraiser as well. Well, it could be. That's but probably not the, the so main, much a vanity. The point. main reason is the states have found that if they, they sell these little icons or whatever on the license plates, that they can have more revenue. Yeah. As they generate more revenues, they're trying to figure out budgets. And so it's it's they're trying to generate more money, but they're also trying to, okay, we'll have these causes. And some states put a limit on how many they can have. Other states like Texas have 450 you can choose from, including Dr. Pepper and local fast food yeah. uh, establishments and all kinds of things. Interesting. But see, but like to me, it's like wearing an IZOD back in my day because the cool people had an IZOD. I always had like... Like the label. The label. On the I, shirt. Like a Lacoste crocodile kind of thing on the shirt. Yeah. I always just had, I don't know... A fox. <laughs> Something like granimals or? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but so to me, maybe all of a sudden that because if you're like from uh, if you're a Longhorn fan, you'd want Longhorns on your license plate. Yeah. Right. Or Texas Tech or yeah. Texas A&M, A&M or yeah. any of those. All, all in Texas, you can have yeah. all that. And then a small portion of your fee goes to the school as a donation and you kind of feel like you're Make doing some something. money, changing. Yeah. Or you could just get 
What's the problem? This seems well, like a no-brainer. Let's just let everybody do it. The Supreme Court on oh, Monday boy. began hearing. How did they get involved? About this case about free speech rights of those who want special messages on their government-issued license plates. The case came from Texas where the Department of Motor Vehicles turned down a request for a specialized plate from the Sons of Confederate Veterans, whose insignia contains the Confederate battle flag. Mm. The Texas board members have authorized hundreds of special requests, the Texan, as I was saying, Dr. Pepper, but rejected this one after receiving tens of thousands of comments about the design, most of them negative. The Fifth Circuit uh, Court ruled that the board members had engaged in a viewpoint discrimination by adopting the negative view of the Confederate flag as a symbol of racism and slavery rather than the organization's view that it was simply honoring ancestors who had fought bravely in a lost cause. Hmm. So now now we have applied meaning to yeah. an image. And just because they a chose large, a negative image. A large portion of society saw it one way, this group looks at it a specific way. Does that need to be honored or is the, the public's opinion is that the oh, greater cause? Wow. You know, so you got all these other So this is why issues. it went to the Supreme Court. Texas insists that the speech that appears in state issued license plates is government speech. Texas said the flag was offensive. Nine other states let drivers choose novelty license plates featuring this flag. Nine other states allow the flag in. Texas as a state is saying no. No, not in our Not state. in our house, I guess. And uh, what's the Supreme Court saying? Do they have the right to just say that to not allow that? Well, I don't know. You, when you when you the the way the Supreme Court works is you don't go in and have a, a, your a your discussion. stereotypical court case, yeah. and you have the lawyers and the justices. All nine of them sit up there and just talk to you. And, they and just each ask of you them questions. they ask you questions. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. How and, are the kids? And <laughs> some of that actually happens. But the reporters that sit in there and cover the the court try to guess because that's all you can do right. from the questions where each justice is leaning and then mm. where they think the case is going. Yeah. And many times they're wrong because the justices kind of do the devil's advocate they're, thing. Yeah. They're tricking people. And they try to play both sides of it, trying to kind of iron out different questions, different aspects of the law as they're they're going through. Now, the law itself is interesting. It goes back to a, um, a First Amendment case involving a little-known religion called Summum, S-U-M-M-U-M. Okay which wanted to place a monument displaying its seven aphorisms next to a Ten Commandments display and other monuments in a public park in Pleasant Grove, Utah. I remember this. The court ruled against Summum. They were anti-Summumites. Okay. It pointed out the reason that the monument was in the park should be seen as speech by the government, not by private individuals. Because it's a city park, the city government decided we're going to put this monument here that is speech by the government, not speech by an individual. But I thought the government couldn't have religious speech. So they were probably just saying those are community values. And the, the government, the state government, the city government has the right to have their own speech for what the community is about. And because of that, they can decide or they can decide to accept or reject mm. whatever monument. So they or could speech. reject the summum. They could reject that other monument, the eight aphorisms or yeah. seven or whatever it was. So that was kind of that's that's the groundwork. And for... it wasn't it wasn't really the ruling of the case. It was uh, something another judge kind of wrote in one. Yeah. You know, they it's do like their the response. Yeah, they do the response to it, and it was in there. And so they used that okay. as the basis for this, saying that the 
the the area of a license plate should be uh, free. So that yeah, so so it's free speech for the individual, but the state also is the one issuing the plate. So the state should also have the right. Is that what it's saying? The state should also have the right. And it also goes to the goes to the idea of if it's on the license plate, does that mean the state supports it? Yeah, that's a big deal. Or is the state just renting space? Well, it, it, apparently it's renting space to make money. <laughs> well, that, then that's I mean, kind that's of the, the root problem. of the problem. Is there that, that opened them up for the problem? Is there they're they're renting it, trying to use this as a money making situation? But now they have to look at it like okay. Not everyone likes this. It is a part of the community, obviously. There's right. a group out there. And some states actually allow it. So is it offensive? Is it free speech? If they put a Confederate flag on there, is the state of Texas in support of that flag and what people think it means? Well, and then otherwise, how would the state say it's not in support? So you'd have to put that on your license plate as well. The state does not support the ideas surrounding this flag in the most negative form. We do support the Confederate soldiers that lost their life. We do not support the racist overtones of this flag. So then all of a sudden your license plate just filled so with a bunch of... So Justice David Souter in, that, in 2009, in this in the summum ruling, he said uh, he proposed a simpler rule asking whether a reasonable and fully informed observer would understand the expression on this, in this case, on the license plate would be government speech is the government endorsing no. this yeah they would think they are the go- could the is there any way the government could say they weren't even if it was on a state issued license plate no so should the state say yes or no yeah no the state should get out of the business altogether well that's the, and just put the colleges universities and 501c3s the supreme it's problem solved the supreme court struggled monday to balance worries about government censorship and concerns that offensive messages could incite violence in the case of a proposed Confederate battle flag license plate. Oh, my heavens. Okay, we got to take a break. But well, well, this look, is why the state's got to get out of the business. Yes. Because anyone that wants to put a flag on their car, go put a flag on your car. It doesn't have to come from your state-issued license plate. For heaven's sakes. Even though Dr. Pepper's from Texas, I, it probably shouldn't have its own license plate. I feel bad for Coca-Cola, except Coca-Cola owns Dr. Pepper now, don't they? I don't know. It's a big blur. We're going to take a break, my friends. When we come back, though, these rights go on into other things. At what point does your right end and your responsibility begin? And at what point do does your symbol become my symbol and my symbol become your symbol? How do we mesh these symbols We'll get into that when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we're talking about your rights to free speech, but also the state's rights or your community rights to uh, control some of that speech. For example, with your license plates, um, we were talking about a situation where, you know, in Texas you can put 
Dr. Pepper uh, logo on your license plate and buy that plate. And when you buy the plate, it donates money, I guess, in the behalf of Dr. Pepper to other organizations. Or you could do it for a university or a charity. By the way, uh, Dr. Pepper is not owned by Coca-Cola. It is, however, bottled in the plants that are basically owned by Pepsi and Coca-Cola. And Pepsi and Coca-Cola are distributors for should, Dr. Pepper. Should they have some sort of disclaimer on the bottle? Like when you go buy some product and it says this product is made in plants where they make peanuts or where they no. process peanuts? No, because Coke is also a beverage like Dr. Pepper. Okay. but Just cross-contamination I'm worried about. So, yeah. So <laughs> so here is the deal. So the, the, the justices... Are they are they saying then that states have the rights to say no for the Confederate flag to be on the license plate? It's interesting. Justice Anthony Kennedy, he goes so swastikas. We put those on the license plate. Yeah, I mean plate. that would be next. And uh, the, or like the ISIS sign or symbol insignia. You know, should we? Uh, it's and he goes. Your position, if you're if you prevail, a license plate can have a racial slur. Oh yeah, on the license plate. One of the Sons of Confederate Veterans lawyers, their attorney, he says, uh, he goes, yes. He goes, I don't think there's any consistent decision otherwise. You need to have open and free speech on the license plate for anything. And then that's where the government comes in and goes, we're printing these things. I don't think we're, you know, and that's where the line. Because then again, how does the government say, this isn't ours? The Texas Solicitor General Scott A. Keller said that uh, it, this shouldn't be that hard of a decision. The First Amendment protects against government efforts to curtail individual speech. He also says, but it doesn't apply to the government's speech. Right. Well, I mean, imagine a police officer pulls you over and says, yeah, we've got a white Chevy pickup truck with a swastika license plate and a, yeah. a vanity <laughs> license yeah. that says skin head. Yeah, and yeah. And he the, the Solicitor General goes on and says, the state of Texas etches its name onto each license plate. Texas gives a law gives the state sole control and final approval over everything that appears on the license plate. The First Amendment does not mean that a motorist can compel any government to place its uh, legal language. It's inappropriate language. Or it says as it goes on. The, the uh, you cannot compel us to put the Confederate flag on the license plate. Right. No, it's we have final say on what images, what what things are etched on these license plates, which, by the way, go on every car that and are licensed by the state. That is the licensing mechanism. We wouldn't. It's why are we in this business? Chief Justice John Roberts goes. So a motorist can purchase a license plate endorsing um, fast food joints, soda pop, uh, uh, universities, all this stuff. Pirates. And he goes. He goes, there's no clear identifiable policy that the state is articulating. He goes, I mean, they're just doing this for the money. Yeah. So Filthy lucre. Your, your whole motivation is the money. So, uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor disagreed. She says it's both the government and the individual speaking at the same time. Mm. She, the court has previously ruled that a motorist does not have to display the state's motto if he finds it offensive. So why isn't the reverse true for the government? You don't have hmm. to display the state you know, logo, I guess, if you don't like it. Well, right. But you have to display your numbers. So, so and you have you to. You can alter it somehow. Well, so. Put I, a happy face over. You could like put like the, 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 car, the company you bought your car from over the state's name. But you have to show your numbers, I'm assuming. 
you know, Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh, what did Ruth say? She asked the lawyer. So suppose <laughs> that somebody says, "I want to have jihad on my license plate." Ruth said that. Yeah, but the guy, there was like some uh, Ruth. We know you don't want to have jihad. She's on from uh, her accent versus the Texas lawyer accent. Yeah. There was kind of some some problem because the guy goes vegan. She goes, no, jihad. And he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> and when George said the license plate could boldly state that it disagreed with the presented messages, Justice Sonia Sotomayor goes, where's that going to fit on the license plate? Like right. somehow the state could put, we do not endorse this message on a no. license plate. She goes, we're dealing with finite amount of space here, right. people. No, what you do, you make them green license plates if we're a go, red if we are a no. See how crazy this yeah. is? All to raise a buck. And then at the end, you get... Uh, one of the justices saying the whole point is just we need to get out of the business of vanity license plates. There you go. See, that is wisdom. Wisdom. Really, we shouldn't be in there. We're going to talk about this. We're going to do a whole morning show on all of the money that's being raised by municipalities, by taxing. We heard that come up in the whole Ferguson case and the review of the Justice Department that they're just trying to make money. And not just the Ferguson case, the surrounding areas. So was it all like St. Louis and well, there was four or five they they looked at Ferguson and then they expanded that yeah. study to some some other cities and adjoining uh, municipalities. Well, look at that. And they found that most they the average was like 33%. One city was as much as 66% of their budget was coming out of tickets. Tickets and other fines. But we've talked about the lotto before. We've talked about um uh you know them taking over uh property and seizing certain property. And so even even the drug money is being used by these cities. So in the end, we've got a money issue. And when we have a money issue, we then come up with cockamamie ideas to, like, raise money. I get the importance of maybe having the universities involved. But even where does that end? When you now have all of these for-profit universities, does every university get a shot at it? How about every private school? How about every – I don't know. In the end, can't we just – go back to the good old America where you just had your plate and it was everyone knew that was a Texas plate right there that one's Texas not jihad I just can't I have a hard time believing by the way I do like part of this because I think if you believe in survival of the fittest if you have the guts to put jihad on your license plate and live in Texas the problem will solve itself is best that of the luck okay. that has solved the problem or if you're the skinhead White supremacist, guess what? Put that up there and drive through a bad neighborhood and guess what's going to happen? Survival of the fittest. Let's do that. But we don't need the government to do it. Just Maybe that's what they ought to do. The government can hand out stickers for all of these types of uh, different organizations and you can just put them on your back window. And then hang on for the, for the second uh, civil war. Crazy town. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, there are some new life-saving techniques uh, that, are, that are taking place. What if you knew that if you had a traumatic injury, they were just going to drain your blood, fill you with antifreeze, basically. Well, actually, they fill you with something and then freeze you. We're going to talk about that when we come back. By the way, it's actually working in pigs. What if that's the future, my friends? This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, many of you may not know this, but in my old days, I used to be an EMT on an ambulance. I've uh, done CPR on over 20 people. I'm kind of a big deal. Varying degrees of success. Uh, actually, no success. Okay. I said varying. <laughs> not, not even varying. Just no success. Give me the benefit of the doubt. I'm pretty sure I was doing it wrong. Just no confidence because most of those times it was like five in the morning and you're picking up a 90 year old man that's been dead for eight hours. That doesn't work as well, you know, uh, but there are some new techniques that they're finding if we and we've seen it because like they just had a story of a, a child that was underwater or a person that was underwater for an hour and 45 yep, it was minutes. A, it was a, a toddler in Pennsylvania. He fell into a river, an icy river, and it dropped his his body temperature, and they did CPR for an hour and 41 minutes, and he was able to, to bring him back. And they think the, the drop amazing. of body temperature it slowed down totally. his metabolism, slowed down the, the process of, I guess, your cells start to break down and stuff as you don't have the oxygen yeah. to keep them going. It slowed that, all, that process down, and they were able to save his life, and he's running around playing today. And it keeps the oxygen in your tissue. So what's going on? Doctors at UPMC Presbyterian Hospital in Pittsburgh, just okay. in case you're looking for UPMC, a hospital. UPMC, yeah. Uh, they're beginning their first ever human trials on suspended animation among gunshot victims with potentially fatal injuries. Hmm. In order to buy more time to fix their wounds, doctors will replace all of the patient's blood with a saline solution, which will cool down the body and practically stop cellular activity. The patients will be technically dead, they won't breathe, and there will be no brain activity, but the cells will stay alive, working at a much slower pace at the lower temperature. After two hours, the doctors will reinfuse the patient with blood, and they should come back to life as though they had taken just a brief frosty nap, as they wrote there. So this is so they call it suspended animation. Yeah, they they get them in that suspended state, and then I guess that's just to transport them, transport them, and then get them ready for surgery or whatever, and then they can take them, warm them up. Scientists, I guess, in a microwave. They have previously we... re, uh, performed this on pigs with ninety percent success rate. Ninety percent pigs on pigs. That's weird. So now they're going to, you know, move on to human trials. What's with the pigs? I'm guessing that, you know, I, well, you, you hear like chromosome-wise, humans and pigs aren't that far off, but really? they, they test on pigs because they're, I guess, of substantial size versus the mice they, where they started out. Where, why do we have cow sounds? Well, Is that pigs. a cow? Those are sheep. I don't hear a pig. I hear an owl. Is there a pig in there? I'm just setting the mood. Okay. We're on a farm now. So just imagine you're on the farm. Just grab one of those pigs. This kind of really did set the mood. I feel like I'm out I feel like I'm outdoors. The birds are chirping. Grab me a pig. I gotta drain it and put saline in it. So they've been doing it uh on poor farm animals. They've been testing it on you know, different laboratory-type animals, and now they're going to start human trials. Now, we know, from, we know from the movies, Captain America, it worked. He was stuck in a block of ice for like 50 years. They thaw him out. <laughs> He's fighting Hydra. Didn't they find, like, some man that was thousands, tens of thousands of years old in an ice block somewhere? Probably with the glaciers as they're okay, melting. But let's be real. He, they didn't bring him back. That's thousands versus 50. Captain America's a super soldier. It's different. 
Actually, it's different because Captain America isn't real. You don't know that? I saw him at Disneyland. I have pictures. He made a move on my wife. He did? Yeah. Did she? I didn't do anything. He's a super soldier. What am I going to do? Well, did she go for it? No. She smiled. She went, oh. Was she flattered? Yeah. Because he, well, he, was, made a he was very, very nice. He said, ma'am, hello, ma'am, how are you? My name is Steve Rogers. I'm Captain America. I'm and from the 50s. I, I questioned him because he revealed his secret identity like right off the bat. Yeah, you don't do that. That's bad. That's bad form. But in his case, his cells slowed down. They, for, I mean, just the, the case of the, the fake story, obviously. But it comes back that yeah. it may actually work. It's going to work. I can feel it. The actual, the actual procedure is called emergency preservation and resuscitation. I like suspended animation better. That's kind of a generic term for everything. But this is specific. But if you slow down the body's processes, you slow down the effects of the gunshot wound. Do they do this in the... It'd probably be in the hospital, not yeah. necessarily in the, the I'm ambulance. Just, I'm so. not sure I want and the timing. the timing has to be right, that you yeah. get the person to the hospital in time. But if you slow that down then maybe you can you can fix some things. It's like, you know, you shut the engine off, start it, you know, fix everything and start it back up and see what happens. I think it's great. I mean, especially a gunshot, he's, you know, the odds of living anyway are going to be lower. Or just like a drowning for an hour and a half under ice. I mean, that's lower as well. So there's probably a lot you can learn. When I started as an EMT, though, you... CPR was different. They used to hyper resuscitate. They used to they used to you know have you count off you know three what was it whatever it was one to five mm-hmm. uh, breaths to to um, put it to uh, compressions compressions. But one of the things is it's then and now changed. now there's no breaths. It's just compressions. Just compressions. We used to hyperventilate, and that used to create a lot of pressure in the body. They change it about every ten years. So what happens the day that we just do suspended animation? And like, yeah, SA, get some SA. And then they just start pumping cold, you know. Saline. Saline into your body. Now, I I just don't see that happening in the ambulance. There will be a day. It will happen. And Lenny, who's been in school for three years, (laughs) for three months, will just stick something into your femoral artery and start pumping freezing saline into your body. And you'll be like, hey, I've got a cold. (laughs) You've got a cold, bud. It's a big deal. I think there's. I think we're going to find a lot to that. I think there will be even a day that they'll be able to operate on you in certain conditions like that as well. Heat up certain areas of your body to do the operation on, but keep a lot of your your organs kind of neutralized. It's a cool time. This is now the pig thing freaks me out. Well, the, the idea of this, the, the story like brags almost in a sense of like you're trying to comfort your anxiety over this yeah. by saying that we have 90% effectiveness on pigs. But you know why they're saying that? Because everyone loves bacon. Is that what it is? Yes. If you love bacon, you're okay with this type of procedure. <laughs> well, bacon's good. So, yeah, pump all my but blood But certain out. groups don't like bacon. No. So I don't know what we're going to do with them. Well, we'll have to go case by case. It really is cool. And I think um, especially for the one or two people that they're going to be testing it on, it's going to – how could – it makes sense. We know we can revive them if their heart cells are strong and good. We just need them kind of in neutral state so they're not you know, atrophying, dying. Right. Cool. Hey, and well done, James, on bringing up the, the uh, ambient sound. That was neat. Yeah. I just want to take us all to the farm. That's beautiful. Just like the good old days. When you were doing that, all of a sudden, I just felt like I was outdoors. Mm-hmm. 
I hope everybody that, that was listening, I hope you could feel the same thing. Just to be it, able to. It's springtime on the farm. Sadly, we, I didn't hear one pig. Yeah. There were some sheep. There was like a cow in the distance, I think. You might next time, James, just listen to the story. Well, the the pigs were being pumped full of saline, so they weren't making oh, any good sounds. Point. So. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. So that's why. The, n- yeah. So normally there's pigs yeah. in the barn yard. They are all in SA, so. <laughs> <laughs> and they and they were all um they were all just full of sailing. Mm-hmm. Sailing. So maybe you should have like had like iceberg cracking sounds. <laughs> that and, sounds like a pretty intense process if that's what the sound is like. Oh, have you ever heard somebody being filled with frozen saline? No, I haven't. Is it like a cracking iceberg? Have you ever gotten a Slurpee okay. at 7-Eleven? Yeah. It's a lot like that. Have you ever had a brain freeze? It's a lot like that? A lot like that. Oh, uh, okay. If anybody's out there, if you've had a brain freeze from a Slurpee or a lot of ice cream, you know what it's like to have suspended animation. I don't think that's the, the same <laughs> thing. No, it is. It's, it's just part of your body is frozen. But you're not going to really feel much in this case because, I don't know, gunshot wounds. Yeah, they might be a little bit more painful than whatever brain freeze may be. That, that's true. Yeah, so and, and, like, and the, when that's a topical brain. That's a topical suspended animation, is what I'm saying. A topical. But, so it's just in that one area on okay. that one part of your back of your throat and your brain stem, <laughs> just frozen, <laughs> suspended. So science <sighs> with pigs. Science with pigs. That's what we bring you here at the Matt Townsend Show. I mean, a lot of shows would skip that story. Not us. And no show will ever bring you the story and barnyard music and, and natural noises. Except the Matt Townsend Show. It's because we love you. We're going to take a break. When we come back, a whole new hour, more ideas, more tools. In fact, we're going to be talking about the smart kids. Do you remember growing up with those smart kids? The ones that seemed so cool. Not just smart, but cool. They did everything that was so cool. Maybe it's not healthy to be the coolest one on the playground. We'll talk about that next hour on the Matt Townsend Show. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. This is the show where we help you uh, to live longer and love stronger and lead the ones you're with. Really, who else are you going to lead? I like leading strangers. I know. In fact, they find it awkward as I just pop out of nowhere and tell them what to do. But You know what? It's interesting you brought that up, Terry, because security called today. Uh-oh. And they'd actually want they they want you to quit leading strangers. Okay. They think that uh, you're scaring too many people on campus. Yesterday, I led someone in the north doors to the building here, and then led them across the whole complex and out the south doors. Interesting. They didn't want to do that, but I was the leader, so I just showed them right you back out them. of the building. This is the north side. This is the south side. Two you parking your, lots. If you need your car, walk around the building. Do not come back in. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm just helping. Uh, that's why we made you the producer, because you get results. 
Hey, welcome to the show. Today we're going to be uh, in a few minutes talking with Dr. Tim Elmore, who is going to be discussing a study that um, is basically, did you know that being cool at 13 does not always equate to being cool at 23? I mean, believe it or not, if you are the early, you know, maturing kid doing all the things that 13-year-old boys shouldn't have been doing, you may have set yourself up when you're 23 to have some major problems, a la James Birdsall. I was going to say that I, I don't have that problem because I was definitely not the cool kid. <laughs> I wonder if the inverse is true, right? Then, So if you are not the cool kid at 13, does that increase the likelihood that you will be the cool kid at 23? I think so. I, I think that uh, it's – well, just a la James mm-hmm. Birdsall, me, that that's probably true. Let's see how many times we can use the word Allah, Birdsall. Not Allah. Uh, I guess it depends on how you hear it, James right? Birdsall. <laughs> when I said that, you're like, don't say that. Don't I'm like, I don't know. Don't take that name in vain, for real. Uh, we're going to get into that. Also, James is going to quick update on you're still engaged. Check. Still engaged. To macaroni? Yes. Not the food. That's the name. And the day uh, – we're still doing this on May 2nd. May 2nd, 39 days away until 4.20 this afternoon. Then we're 38 days away and 23 hours and, and seven counting. minutes. And counting. Yeah. We need a counter. We need to have a – why don't you do that uh, because your class was canceled. Yes. So I got plenty of time today. So I'm announcing that to everybody. Find a countdown clock so we can get it down to the second. Because that would be great. 30 – Six days. How many more days are left? 30, 39 days. Until four or something today. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need that level of detail. Well, I think everyone does because this is an important event. Event. Yeah, for one of us and Macaroni Grill. <laughs> macaroni Grill. <laughs> the Macaroni Grill is very invested in our I've actually never seen her mouth. Oh, I have seen her mouth. She's a lovely lady. Oh, you're talking about her grill. Okay. Yeah, her grill. Yeah, that was – I don't know. Um. She needs to come see me. Do you need okay. a Do you need a pre-nuptials uh-huh. exit interview of sorts? Uh, I think it's more like a an entrance interview. Well, it depends. She's exiting single life, entering. She's exiting a really great life. Kind of your sphere of influence. <laughs> so she needs to kind of maybe get a primer on what that's going to mean. Uh-huh. Her husband comes to work with a marriage counselor. Yeah, it's kind of what I want to do. It's I call it um, inboarding. Or okay. uh, uh, it's kind of like boot camp. Yeah. No, I understand. And we take her through boot camp so that she's ready for war. I'm just afraid she has no idea what she's stepping into. Right. She thinks she knows because she spends a lot of time with James, but it's like a whole different amount yeah. of time. We've seen a whole different side of James. <laughs> right. That she's never seen. It's kind of offensive at times. Yeah. I haven't gone to HR, but. I feel bad for Macaroni Grill. She'll be all right. She sounds like she has some sort of idea what she's getting into. Not the full picture. But. I don't think so because none of us have ever talked to her. I have for a brief second. Okay. I'll have her come on the show. She'll come on the show one of these days. Will she? Yeah. That will be the greatest day. I could. You know what I want to do? We'll do this for a segment. I want to give you guys the talk <laughs> that I give to all couples. Okay. Don't you think that would be great? That would be magical. What? I give a talk. It's different than the talk I gave to my son. Oh, okay. I didn't want that talk. No, I give a talk just about how, we, how we're how we going to succeed as a couple. 
the three of us. You, me, and her? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're just inserting yourself into the relationship well, yeah. as a marriage counselor does. And what's great is if I get in now when there's really no barrier to entry, right? it's easier to stay in when it all falls apart and then I can charge exorbitant fees. You're just looking out for your future income. Uh-huh. We understand. It's, it's called investment. Job security. <laughs> yeah. Sure, it's called that sounds networking. great. Yeah. So bring McMackey and, uh, and we'll, we'll have a meeting. We'll have her on the air. And, and create a countdown board. Okay. Okay. Did you write those things down? Uh, yep. <clears throat> I have them. Because I down. heard nothing. I was doing it in my memory. That's why I closed my eyes. I was writing it, you know, in my oh. head. Oh. Yeah. Well, okay. Why did you roll your eyes back into the back of your head? Well, I feel like if I can try to visualize. That's where the my, whiteboard is. Yeah, He's my just... brain. Then I can write it down better. Poor macaroni. She has no idea. Lots of things are going on. Yes. Over the weekend, a list of 100 U.S. troops and their addresses, oh, phone numbers, scary. was posted online by a group called the Islamic State Hacking Organization, which has never been heard of before. And they posted it on the web and it made its way to YouTube and... Oh, you mean Isho? No. And, well, Islamic, Islamic State, State Hacking, hacking yeah, Organization. Isho. But... I think the thing that disturbs me about this is that people take this as this is ISIS when it could just be a bunch of people with no affiliation whatsoever no, and they're just making trouble be on the internet. In the states. They said that almost all the names were of military uh, personnel that were mentioned in articles yeah. dealing with the bombings that are going on and the air the air campaign going on against ISIS. Uh, over in that see, area. So imagine that. So readily available public space. Yeah. And then they just throw that, that into Google or whatever and you can find addresses. And you, I mean, things like that can are, are rarely are, are pretty easy to, to find. And they made a list and published a hit list asking for jihadists in the United States to go ahead and uh, take care of these people. So the Pentagon yesterday asked for local police to go to these, you know, protect these individuals, keep an eye on them, yeah. that kind of thing. Just make sure no, no, nothing is going on. They're not seeing any imminent danger, but, I mean, there is a hit list. Is it ISIS? I don't know if there's a connection, but it seemed like people are making that connection. Like I said, the, the, the names were posted online, and then they were eventually went to YouTube. And a reporter in a press conference at the Pentagon yesterday asked, um, have you guys asked YouTube to take that down yet? And they went, oh, oh, right. And then they later asked for that to be taken down. So no one really thought about uh, requesting because they'll do it, yeah, yeah, especially right. things like that. Yeah. Because they don't serve any entertainment purpose. And that's really what YouTube's about, entertainment information. Yeah. So, But I found that interesting that everyone just sort of jumps to the conclusion before we actually confirm what it is. But maybe that's what you have to do to err on the side of safety. Other news. The governor of the state of Utah signed a bill allowing the use of the firing squad on occasion that lethal injection drugs are not available. <laughs> lethal injection drugs are made by a company in Europe, at least the yeah. brand everyone wants to use that has been very effective. Yeah. They have since said they're not going they don't want their product used in executions and so now states are trying to come up with other concoctions to to mimic that sort of effectiveness and Arizona, I think it was Oklahoma have both had botched inject er, uh, executions people who went through the process of dying for 45 minutes or more. Yeah, it's it's getting harder to kill people. And so the state of Utah is saying if we don't have the drugs, we're going to have a firing squad. Well, and by law, that's the law. So you have to have some method of implementing the law. And if that is the will of the people, 
than the governor. I mean, I guess flogging. I guess. I guess. <laughs> uh, the press, where they so, pull them apart. Other other states are also looking at going this direction because if you don't have, if you want to have, if executions are going to be on the books as being legal by the state, how are you going to do it if you can't do lethal injection? Right. So you got to go back to what we had in, in uh, Utah in 2004, outlawed firing squad. Well, we used to have a chair. Then there was a, there was an electric chair for a while. And that got a bad reputation. <laughs> It's just, it's just crazy. Interesting uh, stuff there. North Korea, there's a, a group that was going to drop uh, DVD copies of that movie, The Interview. Yes. Along with some other pamphlets and stuff. They're going to airdrop that over North Korea <laughs> just to kind of you know let everyone know, here's this movie. Here's a really bad comedy. And uh, North Korea came out and said that is a de facto declaration of war. All the firepower strikes means uh, of the frontline units of the Korean People's Army will launch without prior warning to destroy all the balloons because <laughs> these will be attached to balloons as uh, they yeah, come down. Yeah. So they're going to use all the firepower, but they called it a de facto uh, <laughs> declaration of war to airdrop these DVDs. Can't you just hear like bombs exploding and all of these <laughs> guns going off? The nuclear weapons being deployed, yeah, just to get rid of that. So they're, uh, it's it, it's an act of war if you drop that movie. Now the movie was bad, so yeah. maybe it, maybe it is maybe an act of war. It is a it didn't didn't yeah. fare well when it came to the critics. So nothing's gonna bring North Korea to their knees faster than a really bad comedy about their leader. We're gonna take a break. Uh, when we come back, Dr. Tim Elmore will be joining us. He is going to be talking about, hey, just because you were cool when you were 13, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful when you're 23. That's artificial maturity. And sometimes um, when people or kids uh, exhibit artificial maturity, it's not necessarily a healthy thing. We don't always want our kids to grow up quickly. And yet we are pushing many, many to do that. When we come back, Dr. Elmore will be with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Maybe you don't want to be like the cool kids. According to a recent study uh, from the University of Virginia, being cool at 13 does not mean you'll be successful at 23. You remember the cool kids. Maybe they were the ones that, uh, you know, they had the cool hair. They were the ones that didn't care about school, maybe, that hung out, maybe smoking, doing whatever. You know, the things the bigger kids did. Well, uh, there's a lot of stuff that uh, challenges our children today, and we decided to bring in an expert to help help us walk through this idea of artificial maturity. Dr. Tim Elmore is with us, and he is the founder and president of Growing Leaders, a nonprofit organization focusing on developing emerging leaders. Tim focuses on training students to become servant leaders at home, at school, at work, and in the community. He has written more than 25 books, and uh, one of those books is called Habitudes, Images That Form Leadership Habits and Attitudes, which is why we love him on the show. Growingleaders.com is his website. Uh, Dr. Tim Elmore, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. 
Thank you, Matt. It's great to be with you today. Great to great to have you on the show. Now, you wrote a blog that uh, has gotten some attention about this this idea that you call um, artificial maturity. What what do you mean by that? Well, you know, we work with uh, we're in front of about fifty thousand students and faculty every year. And Matt, I started to see a pattern. Um, and first of all, I should say I believe in these kids today. I you believe bet. they're amazing. They're sharp. They're savvy. They're tech savvy for sure. But I started noticing this thing I call artificial maturity. Artificial maturity is the sum total of two realities. Kids today are overexposed to information far earlier than they're ready, and they're underexposed to real-life experiences far later than they're ready. So they're on, online at four years old, you know, getting data way before their emotions and hearts are ready to consume it, but they're digesting it. At the same time, they're not necessarily working a job until after college. Yeah. And so the stuff that would turn that knowledge into wisdom, that would turn this information into something I can actually use, uh, isn't there until well into their 20s. So real quick, I have lost count of the number of university deans that have said to me, 26 is the new 18. Mm. Uh, you know, what we once expected at 18, it's now happening at 26. And I'm just thinking we need to be more intentional about getting kids ready for the real world. Oh, that is so true. Uh, they have too much information, not enough real-life experience. And it, it, those those are stretching, aren't they? The information yeah. they're getting earlier, the the actual uh, experience they're getting much later. Is that is that parenting? What is that? I mean, some of that's technology, but how come it's yeah. spreading so much? Well, you know, if you're a parent today, and I am, yeah, I am too. We didn't get a manual with our child, no. you know, saying here's how to raise your kid with a portal device in their hand. So um, we, I don't think we saw the ramifications coming of a kid that's getting content without context. Hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you know, totally. I, I watch 17 YouTube videos, but I, I, I've never done this. So, so of course I get a little cocky. Of course I feel arrogant about this because I've watched all this stuff. But, but boy, doesn't it turn into valuable stuff when, when I actually try it out myself. So two, two things real quick. As I just mentioned, content without context. And then so many of their contexts have no consequences. We parents have rescued our children. We don't want them to fail or fall. And so we run that backpack into school when they forgot it, right. rather than allowing them to suffer the consequences of forgetting a backpack. And we think that's well, we're well-intentioned, but it may solve the problem today, but it doesn't solve the problem when they leave our homes and they're unready for adulthood. And I guess we all keep waiting that, oh, yeah, they'll mature later. <laughs> they'll, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's scary because, you know, at 18, you should at least be able to handle yourself. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, brain research has taken on a whole new art form today. The last 15 years thanks to MRIs and other, uh, other, other uh, advances, we've been able to look at the brain. What we keep pointing to to excuse this is, well, adolescents, the frontal lobe isn't fully developed until they're 25. Of course, they're going to do silly, stupid things. But, right. but I just go back to 100 years ago, 14-year-olds were working the farm. Right. 17-year-olds were leading armies. 19-year-olds were getting married and having children. And I'm not <laughs> saying we need to go back and do that. I'm just saying it's in these kids to be so much more than people that get lost on Twitter and Facebook. Oh. So we've got to call it out of them, and I, I think that's where we have not been a good job. We just had a great experience with my uh, 14-year-old son who Saturday spent the entire day with my son-in-law aerating lawns. And um, he worked 10 hours, and he texted us about every hour. 
in a play-by-play like, Dad, seriously, come get me. You've got to get me out of here. I can't keep working like this. This is slave labor. He made a ton of money, and I'm thinking, what is your complaint? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Well, and, you know, the fact of the matter is this is a very common story. These these kids are not bad kids. They're not wicked. No. They're not evil. But this is a new day. I did mow the lawn. I, I think I was throwing newspapers on driveways as a paper boy oh, when yeah. I was 12 years old. My dad said it was like broccoli. It was good for me, you know. And, <laughs> and, and now we just removed those experiences and put in their place facsimiles. They're active, all right, but it's recitals and practices and rehearsals. And those are all good, but they're not. They're facsimiles. Yeah. They're not the real deal. And I think we need to be more intentional about introducing real work and and real life consequences that are appropriate for 14, 16, 18, 20 years old. And that's where I think we've just been at a loss as to how to do it. I love, too, that you you just keep reinforcing how much you love these kids. It's easy for us to just think, ah, these kids and then those millennials. Yeah. 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 But really, so they're just and, – and again, it's it's not like we didn't contribute. Yeah, right. So maybe well, it's easier I, to just name call or whatever. Well, I think it is. Don't you feel better about yourself when you're able to point to something else yeah. outside of yourself? Right. But, you know, I think it's a perfect storm that nobody saw coming. It's not a conspiracy. It's technology. It's parenting style. It's the meds. These kids have been – we've been putting in their mouths uh, probably overly, uh, giving them medications – it's it's um, it's a whole new day where we compartmentalize life. Where again, a hundred years ago, a child going to school was in a one-room schoolhouse. Their emotional intelligence rose because they were interfacing with yeah. all kinds of ages and shit. Well, now a junior in high school is interacting with other juniors in high school. Of course, he's not going to grow up <laughs> right. meeting with Josh and Todd. Right. He's going to grow up meeting with Uncle Harry and 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 my grandfather and and older folks where I'm apprenticing. And again, that sounds antiquated, but I think we grew up better yeah. years ago, and no, we right. have to get back to what are some timeless principles we need to incorporate. Well, and don't you just remember your dad could take you to work, and um, yeah. you could spend an entire day with dad working, and nobody thought anything about that. Yeah, you just yeah, yeah dad. I mean, it, but now we have all these rules and regulations. Now you, I know, have put together some um, tips for how parents can handle children who are artificially mature. What are some of those? Well, I think, first of all, we need to introduce experiences. In other words, just like I said, they're overexposed to information, underexposed to real-life experiences. I think we can start small. Uh, in fact, I, we have a resource that's absolutely free on our website called 52 Leadership Ideas You Can Use with Students. Hmm. Let me just give you a few of them. Even around the house, uh, when our kids were growing up, we saw this gap between their emotional intelligence and their you know, savviness with the screen. So my wife and I would have parties for our adult friends, and we would have our kids host them at 8 and 12 years old. Now, they rolled their eyes at first and thought, oh, my gosh, this is so stupid. (laughs) But you know what they learned to do? They learned to say, hi, Mr. Johnson, come on in. Have you met Mrs. Smith? Could I take your coat? Would you like some ice tea? That's so great. And they're now gamefully employed at 20-something because – and, and so that was a simple thing. Now they're we all party planners, we, aren't they, Tim? Yeah, exactly. They're event <laughs> a planners. A family of event planners. <laughs> but yeah, I think exactly. that is so great, just the maturity of that. Right. And once again, notice that was a subtle uh, introduction to interacting with right. other generations, not just your own age group. Uh, we also said, Matt, that whenever 
for the hours in front of a screen, we would require them to have two hours in, in real life face-to-face conversations with three-dimensional people no. you know, that, because we didn't want them to just be good on a screen but, you know, reading body language and building interpersonal skills and emotional intelligence. So, again, we can do this. We just have to be more purposeful because life skills don't naturally get built today like they did 30 years ago. Right. We've got to go after it. Tim, uh, we your phone uh... – you know, went out on us for a second. What was the ratio you said for every how many hours they'd have to do? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, if we just said to our son and daughter, if they had two hours in front of a screen, yeah, let's say playing a video game, they had two hours in real life, face to face interactions with people to build those interpersonal skills. I love that. And um, and two, as parents, like you're saying, we've got to step up and, and find a way to give them yeah. those experiences. We're going to take a break, Tim. We're talking with Dr. Tim Elmore from the website growingleaders.com. You really have to go check out that site. Um, there's so many tools, ideas on the site that you can use, free ebooks that you can download, and just a ton of information to get your, your children um, moving, really, getting them the experiences they need. And uh, the maturity they need, the context and the content to grow up. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. More with Dr. Tim Elmore when we come back. Welcome back, friends. To the Matt Townsend Show. You know, our kids, uh, they're being pushed in two different directions, my friends. Lots of information, data more than probably ever before on the earth. They're, they're receiving younger and younger, and yet their experience, they're actually receiving later and later in life. They're underexposed to reality, according to our guest, overexposed to data. Uh, Dr. Tim Elmore is joining us. He calls that uh, little um, dilemma there the artificial maturity that a lot of our kids might be going through. And he's uh, from the website growingleaders.com. He's also the author of 25 books, including Habitudes, Images That Form Leadership, Habits and Attitudes, Life-Giving Mentors, Nurturing the Leader Within Your Child, uh, just tons of great information, again, on his website, growingleaders.com. He's been talking about some ways that we could um, help our kids uh, mature and, and maybe break down a little bit of this artificial maturity. One of them is simply giving them more experiences. Uh, Tim, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. You know, as you were just um, talking then, it, it, it dawned on me, it might be helpful for our listeners to hear something I've been thinking lately that I I think maybe explains a lot of what we're seeing today. Adolescence as a stage of life is actually expanding on both sides. Kids are being nudged into adolescence at eight years old, getting on teen websites, getting something pierced or tattooed or whatever. But then they're staying in adolescence well into their 20s. So what was once a doorway from boyhood to manhood or girlhood to womanhood is now this elongated season of life. And I think parents across the country are seeing this, from California to New York. What do we do about this? Well, we've got to lead them. We've got to be intentional about ushering them into the experiences that we say that's grown-up, that's Hmm. adult. It's interesting, and it's – so it really – it's not something – it is something that we can push on. It's something that we can – we we can actually help them through this process, but we, we have to be more intentional about it. 
Absolutely. In fact, um, one blog post I did recently that got, got a lot of attention, um, I basically list the mistakes I think we inherently and naturally make, mm. well-intentioned mistakes as parents. Yeah. We risk too little, we rescue too quickly, we rave too easily, and we reward too frequently. And even though all of those, Matt, are well-intentioned, I think it's actually diminished our kids' ability to fly on their own and, and to do it themselves. It's so true. Right there, you just like, that's just my Monday night you just listed. <laughs> that was like literally all I did last night. Nope, nope, stay away from there. Oh, you're incredible. Well done. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it honestly, but we think that's parenting, and yet... I guess part of it is like what you said earlier. We used to live the law of the harvest where the farm yeah, yeah. taught the rules, the mm-hmm. hard day's work taught it, um, and and it wasn't the verbal affirmation. Of, it wasn't all of that that made the difference. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. It was seeing results. And I really believe that true, genuine self-esteem comes not just from affirmation. It comes from achieving something in my gift area. So affirmation alone produces narcissism, and we have a narcissistic uh, climb going on right now among teens and 20-somethings. We did it to them, yeah. you know, giving them ribbons just for showing up on the team <laughs> or whatever. Right. But, but I think when we, like you just said, when I participate in something that's meaningful, it actually matters, like harvesting or whatever it is. Um, and I don't think we need to all join FFA, but no. but it's it's doing something with my gifts and adding value to somebody else and then being remunerated with with some money. That's incredible. Oh. And I, I just believe the earlier we give them these experiences in appropriate levels, yeah. the better they're going to be ready for, for life. I mean, because you could also abandon them to go figure all of this out, you know, and be a, an abandoning parent. And I guess that would make them mature faster, but it wouldn't necessarily help them anymore either. Absolutely. In fact, whenever I talk to moms and dads, or for that matter, coaches or teachers, I say whenever there's a challenge with a young person, it's usually one of two extremes, abundance or abandonment. We either did too much and gave them too much, or there was, we were really emotionally absent or physically absent, and they had no one to guide them. And now they're looking for love in all the wrong places yeah. just, just to be okay. So we've got to somehow blend. I'm doing enough to know to, to let you know you're loved and cared for, but I'm I'm believing you enough to expect you to grow into this. So I'm responsive and demanding at the same time. Wow, that is. I mean, and it's it's. I guess it, we always say, well, that's easily said and and harder yeah. to do. But honestly, <laughs> yeah. it's. It's not if you're really just thinking about it. And I guess part of that yeah. is as parents, we need to get in the game a little bit more. We have these yeah. kids, yep. and then we just think praising or you know, or just yeah. making yeah. sure they don't die is the key. But there's I so know. much more it's to that. True. Well, you, one of our – you mentioned Habitudes, Matt. Thank you for yeah. mentioning that. It's just been our most popular resource. One of our images that we believe is a wonderful picture of healthy leadership in any environment is the velvet-covered brick. At the big place. Yeah. It's a really cool picture. You can imagine. It's a, it's a velvet cover brick. The velvet on the outside represents the responsiveness. It's, I believe in you. I love you. Uh, I support you. I'm attentive to you. I get you. Every kid needs that. But inside that velvet, that's brick. It's <laughs> hard and crusty. I think they need us to say, and because I believe in you, I'm not going to let you just veg or or settle for mediocrity when you have gifts inside of you that need to be called out. Now, there's a balance. And most of us tend to lean more toward the velvet or more toward the brick. Sometimes in spouses, one's the velvet, one's the you know, bad right. cup, good cup. But we've got to somehow give them both. And if we don't, we have a, an unready child 
where we've actually done a lot more protecting than preparing. Um, well, that's and you, what we want to reverse. What I love is a minute ago you just mentioned um, self-esteem comes from us giving from our uh, our gifts or our or our yes, our strengths. Yes. And I, then I think how many people don't even know what their strengths are? How many adults, mm-hmm. let alone do your do our children know what their Absolutely. gifts are? So I tell you what, we are far from perfect in our home, but we do. This was significant when our kids were growing up. They're in their 20s now. So we would expose them to trips. We would expose them to um, try out for that play or this team. And we never forced it, but we let them experiment early on so they could really get a wide range of, of, you know, okay, I love that. I'm good at that. I'm not so good at that. And we never kept pushing. I didn't expect my to play third base for the for the Red Sox right, right. You know, at 20 years old. But boy, when they found something they were good at, we fanned that into flame and, and uh, allowed them to really you know run with it. So there are ways to do this, and I'm really not a superb person, but if we'll just get on purpose, who knows what we could do as we oh, mentor, yeah. mentor our kids to, That's, um, to life after home. I, I think you're right, and I think in the end, too, it's, we want that as parents. We want to know we're yeah. doing a good job. Um, I, give us some more. You wrote that article, Things I Wish Kids Knew, today. What were some more things that you, you wanted them to know? Well, um, if you remember that, that uh, post, I talked about you don't have to buy something to have fun. Mm-hmm. I think we've unwittingly made shopping a, an antidepressant. Oh, or something. yeah. Our kids, you know, full of anxiety. Oh, let's go shopping. Now, we don't do that on purpose, but oh, that's a, it works. Here's my, here's my belief. It may make us happy for a moment or a day, but it's not a long-term happiness. And so we've got to teach them I don't need to go get something for me to be happy inside. I need, that needs to come from within. So um, I, I think we parented for the short term, not the long term. Mm-hmm. In fact, may I make a statement, Matt? Yeah. I think you'll, you'll like this. I always tell parents, the further out I can see into the future, the better the decision I make today for my child's life, for my life. Um, when we don't make a good decision for the future, we get in debt, like, our, like Washington, D.C. is right now. Right. We, we're, we're planning for today, but not for tomorrow. So we're just saying, let's work at looking ahead and saying to ourselves as a mom or dad, will this decision I'm about to make for my child right now actually help them later or hinder them later from becoming the best version of themselves? Mm. So that would be one of them. Um, another one real quick was um, you don't have to own something to enjoy it. Um, I had a mentor in my 20s say, if somebody else has a boat on the lake, you know, have fun with them. But That's you right. The boat, you That's know? right. And hallelujah. That is so true. You know, I yeah. don't have all the headaches that come from boat ownership. Um, I mean, you'll help yeah, with gas. Yeah. Come on. Absolutely. But I'm not going sto- right. to store that thing. <laughs> exactly. It's so true. Well, maybe we adults need this lesson, too. I, I think we bought into the materialism. And I mean, let's all face it. We all have. We're we are. Uh, so self-actualized in America compared to third world countries and so forth. We need to be counting our blessings. But I think sometimes we've not modeled for our kids the kind of life that needs to be modeled because we've gotten into this short-term thing too, not this long-term thing. Yeah. How do you teach? I know one of the other points you make a lot is just about learning doesn't only happen in a class. Mm, Learning is everywhere. And the the interesting thing like I see with my kids is they're on they're on YouTube. If they have a question, yeah. they go to YouTube. And yeah. they they will sit yeah. there for hours and this is where I guess you're saying they're gaining content. Yeah. But they have yeah. they have no experience in it. But yet they feel like they've experienced it. 
How how could we as parents keep the yeah. the love of learning yeah. alive without discouraging the media or the the use of the technology and encourage more of the exploration? Yeah, well, they definitely do uh, have a Google reflex. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, it's just, and it's scary because now they can prove you wrong. <clears throat> exactly. So we talk to faculty at universities, and they'll say, I see these kids have lots of data, like you just mentioned, but they don't have a worldview. They don't have a crit- uh, an ability to do critical thinking. So here's some simple things. All of our kids' lives, when they were growing up in our home, uh, because I'm such an educator, um, we would we would debrief everything, every experience, every we'd go see a movie. I mean, we'd go mm. see a Disney movie for Pete's sake. And <laughs> afterwards, we'd go to Starbucks or whatever and say, okay, let's unpack the plot, the characters, what were they thinking, what was their worldview. And at first, they go, oh, my gosh, Dad, do we really need to unpack <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, you know. But, um, but eventually, they got to the point where that was their favorite part. Let's talk about it afterwards. What we didn't know was happening was they were forming great critical thinking skills because we were interpreting. I think our kids don't need us for information. They need us for interpretation, and that's what we tried to do, and that's what I encourage parents to do all across the country. So part of that is just, I mean, if you are talking with your kids, not at your kids, not to your kids, but with them and asking, it sounds like, creative questions about stuff, just that very concept would get more – um, more growth, more critical thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I tell my, I'll be at a parent conference tonight, and I'll say, don't think, tell, think, ask. The mm. more they grow older, like into middle school and high school, lead with questions. Um, don't think rules, think equations. Uh, that means our house didn't have a ton of rules. We had a few. We had a lot of equations, meaning if you do this, that's the benefit. If you do that, this is the consequence. And we let the equation rule. That's how life works. Isn't That's it, Matt? so I mean, great. You and I have mortgage payments. If we don't pay it, there's a consequence. No, so I love that. We were just exposing them to the equations of life, and we felt like that was readying them for what was coming at a higher level at 25 and 30 and 35. And then let the velvet brick yes. go where the velvet brick goes. So if, the, if they get hit by the velvet brick, it's not <laughs> yeah. my fault. That's true, and we really tried to stick. It was hard because, you know, you want to say, oh, okay, here's the money, or oh, okay, mm-hmm. you can have the iPod anyway. But we really tried to be consistent, and that, I, I'm sure you would agree, that is the of utmost importance. Whatever you decide, strict rules, no rules, be consistent. They need the security that comes from a consistent environment at work or at home, yeah. and that's our job. And and they need to just know that they are unconditionally loved, right? That That, that it doesn't matter... What is done, the love will always be there, but there are some equations. And if you violate equations, things happen. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I feel like that's real love. I show my kids love when I am truthful with them about how life works. I'm afraid that if we don't rethink the way we lead, manage, parent, and coach this generation of kids, they're going to be in a love-hate relationship with their parents at 30. Yeah. They're going, what the heck were you thinking when I was 12, you know? <laughs> what were you doing? Right. And, well, we weren't thinking. We were just about their happiness now, but not their readiness tomorrow. So, mm. so valuable. We have um, about another minute or so. When you, when you kind of put this together, Tim, what would you say is the one thing? I always ask for the one thing that, that you yeah. know, makes the biggest difference to start. Where should we begin if there's one thing? Wow. 
Well, uh, on the shifts that I was just talking about, one shift is don't think manage, think mentor. Sometimes we're just managing our home and hoping yeah. to you know, get to a Friday and nobody gets hurt, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. If we can see ourselves as mentors that I'm really investing in, and then I'm exposing my kids to other adults that are in business or, or in a field that they're interested in, those kinds of experience. We actually created a rite of passage experience for both of our children where we exposed them to adult mentors when they were 13 years old. And boy, that changed their trajectory wow. of their life. So that would be my one big idea. Be mentors and expose them to experiences that will really, really get them ready for tomorrow. And I don't you think, too, as parents, we could do that with our children's friends. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't just have to hope every parent's doing it. We yeah. can do it, and we can do it with our kids' friends and be a mentor as well. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Wherever you are, you can do that. That's Lift the first step. Well, yeah. Dr. Tim Elmore, we sure appreciate you. Growingleaders.com is the website. Where could we go get those 52 uh, tools that you talked yes, about? Yes, 52 leadership ideas. That's free on our site. It's growingleaders.com. And uh, there's actually a tab up top that says free. That's one that people often There you go. <laughs> That's my favorite <laughs> tab, Tim. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, but I do want to encourage folks to not only listen to you, Matt, because it sounds like you're just so on track, but, but they can find resources to help them lead, teach, and coach um, kids of this generation so they can become the best generation we've ever produced. Totally. Thank you, Tim, so much. Uh, appreciate, I just appreciate anybody that is this um, invested. You are so, you get it, and you're deep, and you're getting it. Oh, we need about a thousand more. Tim Elmore's. We're going to take a break, uh, come back to Coach's Corner, talk a little bit more about uh, influencing our children, loving them enough to, to be strong with them when you need to. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. This is not Matt Townsend. I'm not your guide on the side. Hi. I'm That's Don. pretty good. Is that good? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to do that. Well, no, it takes a lot of work a and skill. practice. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, actually, Matt had to step out for just a moment. He had a very brief but very important meeting he needed to attend to. He'll be back in moments, I believe. But uh, we just wanted to uh, catch up on a few things that are happening around the area and... Uh, uh, and also, I just wanted my chance to say hi because I haven't been in here in a while. And you guys are, are doing such a great job on the uh, the morning show with Matt that uh, I just enjoy sitting in my office listening and and uh, you know catching up on everything that's going on. Well, thanks. So, what what, what is going on? What, what what's happening today in the Finland? The world? Finland is talking about changing the way they educate their children. You know, there's a song I remember about Finland. What's that? Finland, 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 the country where I'd quite like to be, eating breakfast or dinner. No, that was a Monty Python skit, okay. but anyway, yeah. It's like, that's not quite the song. <laughs> but in Finland, they, they have one of the best education programs in the the, the world. They're yeah. always rated in the highest in science and math and these types of programs. Finland is considering its most radical overhaul of basic education, abandoning teaching by subject for teaching by phenomenon, right? Yes, to bite a vet. I got something in my throat. Oh. Let me let me clear it and see if I can change my uh... <laughs> change your voice a little. Hello, hey, there he goes. It's Cookie Monster. <laughs> Hello. 
Was that Don? Yes. What was Don doing in here? He said you had a meeting and he, you, you were taking care of your, your I went, meeting. And I went to one meeting and Don just took over. Just took over. Thanks, Don. And Don brings me my paper every morning. What See, kind I, of boss bring? Uh, he brings the paper every morning to the me. The newspaper. I think he's trying to teach me to read more deeply. So as I was reading. Yeah, what were you saying? Finland is changing the way they teach their kids. They want to teach by phenomena instead of by subject. Oh, interesting. The idea being, so instead of having an hour of math and then followed by an hour of science, they're going to teach by, by a subject matter, like, as they put here, the European Union. So they teach the history, politics, That's geography, great. and language that deal with the subject. I like that. The idea being, the question you always get in school is, why do I need to know this? Yeah, this is stupid. And, and they separate the reason from the subject matter you're studying. And if they marry those together, then the kids will get that answer. Right. We're studying this because this is the you know the reason why the cause and effect of the the point. Like oh, math is uh, when I was in, in algebra. It's like where am I going to use this? No, nowhere, nowhere on earth. I've checked. I've checked. You don't use it anywhere. But if they could show you in a career that algebra is used this way, That's right. it makes sense. Well, and you then, want to you find okay, isn't this that how is you learn anyway? Right. So you learn. You don't just learn topically. I mean, our schools teach topically. But in real life, you're going to learn kind of phenomenologically. And it says many teachers in Finland, many of whom have been teaching single subjects for their whole careers, are against this. Well, for sure. <laughs> I have to change? No. Like, what? See, you know what's interesting? Because when we, when we started this show, my biggest concern was to have to get into all of the politics and the news and just the geopolitical issues worldwide. But... What I'm finding – because I had always just studied certain areas, right? And um, I mean not to brag, but I got some seriously big degrees. Well, yeah. Kind of a big deal. Yeah. But what's interesting is – but I've also listened to the news forever. And I've always wondered what's going on here, what's going on here. So I already learned a lot of it just by listening. So we do that naturally. These teachers can pick it up. Right. Come on. And I think it makes more sense than – Walk in and we're going to talk about math and you just sort of look at the actual facts and figures and those sorts of things rather than tying them to a real life event that may, may or may not you know, impact your life. Well, that's what Dr. Tim Elmore was just teaching us that we, we – I think the way we've done everything, it's, it just doesn't necessarily make sense. Back in the old you know, school days when there was a one-room schoolhouse – First graders were with eighth graders. Everybody was learning. The, the talking was kind of uh, – it was for everybody. And maybe what we've done is we've minced it down to something that becomes irrelevant and then, uh, you know, unmotivating. Hmm. So as it says here now, each subject is anchored to the reason for learning it. Love it. Instead of just a random subject. Now, all of a sudden, when you walk away, you walk away with a hundred reasons. Instead of just 100 or five topics. And it kind of changes the, the way you look at the subject, yeah. the way you approach it. Because there's a quote. How does, what's the quote? How, if you have the why, you'll, you'll deal with any how. Mm -hmm. So once you know right. why you're doing something, you can deal with how you do it. You'll figure out the how. It's cool. So kind of an interesting uh, That's Finland? direction. That's Finland. Yeah. See, again, that's why we one little idea from Finland could go a long way. Do teachers – I wonder how we could incorporate that today. In just a one teacher's like, well, our union doesn't do that, but you can. Just start tying it to the why. Yeah, you just do it in class. It's cool. Way cool. 
Uh, any other news? San Francisco. Yeah. One of their uh, supervisor, board of supervisors, has proposed allowing 16-year-olds to vote in city elections. Um, really? He goes, I've seen the power of young people. It makes sense to give them the right to vote. <laughs> you know, 16-year-olds have a, have a lot going for them, says uh, political scientist John Pitney, but civic judgment isn't necessarily one of those things. We just talked about <laughs> the fact that... Uh, Children aren't maturing, and maybe voting would be a great experience. Great. Let's go give them a fake vote. What do we call those? You know, those little uh, you take, you go pretend to have a job, uh, junior achievement programs where they go teach you how to go work in certain areas and how to run a bank account. Job shadow type of thing, yeah. Great. We'll we'll let you go have a fake ballot, sure. Well, what what the uh, motivation here is, is this board of supervisor is looking to increase Democratic votes. Yeah, and they think if they get the younger people, they would vote more Democratic than they would Republican. So, oh, brother, he's trying to kind of rig the election a little bit. Yeah, forget the Democratic or the just the process. Forget the system. For there, there's no forget you know, the maturity. Let's yeah. just get those kids voting Democrat. Yeah, holy cow! It's about winning elections. It's not about the always about that. Yeah. Wow. Well, don't do it. We're no. going to take a break, my friends. Uh, when we come back, we are going to be uh, talking with Heather Johnson about our kids, how to build stronger, healthier families. Um, also, we're going to just get more news head- headlines as well. And we're going to be talking to the guys from BYU Sports Nation. This is the Matt Townsend Show back in a bit. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Top of the morning to you. Hour number three of our three-hour program, which means I am about one hour, ten minutes away from my mandatory nap time. Not that I'm tired. I'm really not. But the company makes me nap. I have a story about naps. What? They found a way to make them more useful. What? Aren't you just supposed to nap? Let's see here. You don't want to make a useful nap. You just want to nap. They can turbocharge your memory. Really? We know that naps are a great way to relieve stress while boosting your mood and productivity. And new research suggests that a little midday shut-eye mm-hmm. can bring dramatic improvement in our ability to retain information. Absolutely. Researchers at uh, Saarland University in Germany found that an hour-long nap improves the memory performance five-fold. Wow. Tests reveal that sleep seems to supercharge the part of our brain that consolidates information. Because uh, it does, we've had an expert on this says that's kind of when your brain goes and resorts everything and puts everything where it needs to be. So you take an hour, you get that. You don't even need an hour, really, right? 20 minutes. Boom. Booyah. This, this study, you uh, based it off an hour. Oh, really? And what they did is they had some people learn some things and then go take a nap. Another group learned some things and go watch a DVD. Yeah. And the people that took a nap were able to retain it a lot better than the people that didn't. Oh, I like that. I need more studies like that because I'm building a case for a nap room at at BYU Broadcasting. Nice. I mean, they have that conference room that not everybody uses. Right. But see, my luck would be the minute I was in my jammies, (laughs) 
or you really someone would bought, you know, they'd barge in and well, be like, "Hey, there's is there a difference between taking a nap and going to bed?" Yes. If you change your clothes, I think that's going to bed. Hmm. What if I'm actually wearing my jammies under my clothes? That might be a little you may need to talk to somebody. It's kind of awkward to even think about. Do you ever counsel yourself? Yes. On certain issues? Mm-hmm. Do you find your, your I never your... listen to my advice. Okay. I know where it came from. But it's expensive. It's way expensive. It's expensive advice and you just don't listen. So it's just like your patience. Yeah. All right. Yep. That's what it's all about. You ever get cautioned to not self-diagnose? Yes. I caution myself <laughs> to not self-diagnose. It's complicated. Yeah, that just turns into a paradox. Yeah. It's it's ins- it's what um, not insurgents, but inception. Uh, inception. Yeah, it was another in. See, I think I must have not slept because I don't remember that, and I watched that movie. Yeah, but I don't remember it. That was a weird movie. People are walking around on a ceiling, and mm, good everyone. Movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end, I'm like, "What's going on? Nothing's real anymore. What is real? Time started what folding in on itself. Yeah. Um, the American Chemical Society. I know you're a subscriber. ACA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ACS. The American uh, so, Chemical yeah. Society. I, I, I thought they come up with a way for cities to make up to $13 million a year. Uh, is it? Does that have anything to do with license plates and taxing people or pulling them over to make money while you pull no, them over? No, but it may have to do with the sewer. Ugh. The catch, they have to sift through human waste in order to find valuable metals like gold, lead, and copper. <laughs> New research was presented at the ACS's national meeting that showed it might be worthwhile to go mining, quote unquote, mining through biosolids. Mm. We're going mining. <laughs> the Washington Post had this uh, yesterday. In the United States, about 3.5 million tons of human waste is used every year to fertilize land. And a team uh, led by Kathleen Smith of the U.S. Geological Survey was tasked with finding the best way to get metal particles out of the fertilizer in order to make the uh, make it work better cuz you put it on the you put it on the plants but there's all the metal in it. What? So they got to figure out a way to get the metal what? out. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Where is the metal coming from? I know we'll get to it. Then Smith said they realized that instead of tossing the metals, they could actually sell them. A city of 1 million people could produce 13 million dollars worth of these metals annually. <laughs> Metals make their way into human waste via clothing and beauty, hygiene, and cleaning products. Hey, where did my earring go? <laughs> you mean your gold earring, Mom? Yeah, where did it go? I so don't know. They need to somehow filter it so that they, the, the fertilizer is better and you're not putting toxic metals into the ground that kill plants. You know that A&E is probably going to make a, a whole series okay. about this. Absolutely. Gold rush. Well, yeah. biosolids rush. <laughs> It <laughs> wasn't that Mike Rose show. Dirty Jobs. Dirty Jobs. So it's a mix of Dirty Jobs and the Gold Rush show. Yes. Dirty Gold Rush. You'd, you'd watch it for the gross out and then marvel at how much money they're making. We're rolling money. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Who would think? $13 million. I mean, that's a, a lot people. of money. Yeah. You wouldn't have to pull people over after that. There you go. You solve the ticketing problem. <laughs> I think the scary thing is you don't want to go telling everybody that there's that much, you know, there's that many wonderful metals in there. Right. Bio solids. Solids. That is a, I've never heard that term before, bio Well, bio solids is, it's a great term because then you don't have to say anything else. Right. Maybe there's a way to commercialize this so you can have, do it at your oh, home. Of course. They'll have at home kits. 
And you can uh... – Well, now, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> See, that's where – like at these fairs when they have to – you have to rent toilets. Okay. Now it's just like, no, you bring me the toilets for free, but you get the biosolids. They, they pay for millions. themselves. They yeah. pay for themselves. <laughs> All right. We're making businesses on the fly here. But, right, yeah, I just... Take a note, James. Make, okay. Take a note. Of All right. One. I'll take a note. Because that's... Okay. Ready, taking note. All right. What was that? I was just writing the header to, to take the note. Okay. Uh, note uh, to self. Okay. Note to self. N-O-T-E. Okay. Um, what are you doing? I'm taking the note. Morse code. Yeah, it's Morse code. It's a longhand. What, what just happened to the pen and paper you used to use? Well, I felt that this was probably a more efficient way, but probably not more efficient, but you know, I wanted to try it's it out. It's kind of annoying. Oh, really? Anyway, did you finish the note? Take no, you, you, you bio, haven't said the note. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, start a business okay. using bio solids okay. to pay for... I can't think through that. What is that? I can't think through that. (laughs) You're interrupting my message. You could pay for your sleep room that you want to build on campus here. Well, you can't can't use Morse code when I have to dictate that. You can't use Morse code. It's a language. It's a way to communicate with people. Who are you sending this to? A a ship offshore. Are they going to then print my note? (laughs) It's kind of a long way of doing it. Yeah, long by like 100 miles. <laughs> this is really long. Hand. We're not even near a shore. That's 1,000 miles to shore. That's why Morse code is the most efficient way to send it. Imagine if I tried to do like smoke signals. They would never see it. Yeah. Never see it. Get caught in the jet stream. and yep. You know what? I don't even want that note. <laughs> that ruined it. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Bitcoin. Yes. The... What they call it, cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. Mostly exists online. But by cryptocurrency, still second to biosolids in money-generating opportunities. Absolutely. A company called Chaotic Mon. Chaotic Mon. Has an app called Fitcoin. Ooh. Which allows users to earn or mine Bitcoin. Now, you mine Bitcoin by going on and completing a mathematical equation. But see, they say now... You can't really do that because you need supercomputers. So very few people can go mining Bitcoin. But right. anyone can go mine biosolids. Now, what it says is you, as you exercise, yeah. dealing with you know fitness trackers, yeah. there's certain brands of fitness trackers will work with this app. The fitness tracker sends data such as the heart rate and length of activity, length of activity to the app, which then applies an algorithm to convert the effort you've you put in to how much of computer processing time your device shall spend mining the currency. Caldic Moon hopes that within a few twe- with a few tweaks, the technology could help deliver lower health insurance rates for those who continue to stay more active. Wow. Well, there's so, already insurance companies that if you wear the fit, they'll just give you the deal. Because and BYU will will give you discounts just by being healthy and being in certain programs. There you go. Now it's Bitcoin. You can get Bitcoin, and then you can go buy things online. So we just really have to choose between our four major sources of other additional income: biosolids, biosolids, which is new mining of bio not, products, and it's not the biosolids; it's the metal. We need the metal. Yeah, that. it's okay. yeah, you, yeah. So we don't get that. Yeah, mixed pa- up. I mean, it's gonna yeah, you're gonna get one percent <laughs> return. Um, Bitcoin, very famous now known uh, currency, Bitcoin, and the uh, old standby Kohl's Cash. Kohl's Cash. 
which yep. uh, is the lesser known. If you don't know about Kohl's Cash, it's just free money. Free money. And so uh, I'm going with uh, – oh, Don. Don, I did just, you uh, – Was somebody trying to uh, – I just got a telegraph. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, something that was, was it was it, it in Morse code? It was, and it was just uh, just a partial message. Just wondering if you guys knew anything about it. It said note two, and then it didn't say anything else. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I don't know where that came from. Okay, I'll don't know where. Let that me know came if you from. hear anything. Yeah, about it. no, it's weird. Well, Maybe it was the ship. Maybe there was a ship in oh, the desert. My ship is coming in. Oh yes. Well, now we know where the message goes. Goes to Don's goes, office. Goes to Don's office. Don't do that, James. Yeah. That you, brings Don in here. Reporting directly to the boss. That Don doesn't, doesn't even know we're doing a show. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So just know. It used to just be cash. That's all you needed. Life was great. But now, biosolids, bitcoins, fitcoins, or Kohl's cash. Kohl's cash is free money, yo. Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Heather Ann Johnson's in the house. Hadge. Hadge is here. She's going to teach us how our kids can, uh, how we can work our kids and help our kids to be smarter about their own consuming, so they don't just get bought into just needing to buy more and just following the marketing trends. Right? Cool tool. Heather's going to work with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In the house, Hadge is here. Heather Ann Johnson. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. Hadge, also known as Madge from the 50s. You're soaking in it. We we use that uh, that little voicer because Hadge brings us so much information. We're always just soaking in it. And why she does that? Because she's brilliant, flat out. Brilliant. And 12 years of experience as a teacher, faculty here at Brigham Young University. She also is a mom and um, runs a killer website, if you haven't seen it, familyvolley.com. She wrote a book, for heaven's sakes, Family Fun Fridays, soon to be released six other books, Family Fun Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. There we go. Sundays are rest day, right? Our stretch day. Honor of you. Yeah. Don't bring up the word stretch. (laughs) With me. With you. You've been married 13 years. It seems like you've been married longer than that. Does it? Yeah. (laughs) I hope my husband doesn't feel that way. (laughs) Well, he called and said, man, this is taking forever. Man, we've been together for an awfully long time. (laughs) You you are – you're the master kind of uh, educator, I think, with kids, getting kids to kind of do what we need them to do without dying. Without dying. Keeping them alive. We it, try to keep them alive. It's really important. It is. It is. <laughs> for, for a variety of reasons. It is. But part of it is because kids need to – they need to be out. They need to be out doing and exercising. And they're very vulnerable. They're kind of – they're gullible. Our earlier guest talked about a lot of them, you know, they're, they just think their identity is hinged on what they're buying, what mm-hmm. they're wearing, how they're looking. So they might fall prey to – to the consumerism and just the need to keep buying. And your job today is to teach us how to parent so our kids don't get sucked into the vortex That's of exactly right. marketing. Well, in consumerism, it is so loud. Oh, it yeah. is everywhere. And so if we're not loud, 
yeah. in a good way. But if we're not going to put our voice out there with our children, then all they're going to hear is what the media tells them. And they're going to hear it 24 hours a day, like Vegas, nonstop, yeah. <laughs> all the time, in their ears, in their faces. Right. And so it's really our job to make sure that we speak up. And it's interesting as parents, I think sometimes we get so caught up in everything else we're doing. We think that our children are naturally going to learn these things. But we have to be very intentional in actually teaching them each and every step. Right. Now, yes, they learn things on their own, but we need to help them lead and guide in that right path. Mm -hmm. So we create that path. And even though we bounce around in there, almost like a ping pong game, we've got to keep them there. And so that's our job. And so when it comes to consumerism, really the first thing we've got to do is we have to make sure we teach them what they're really worth. So that they understand that. Well, they're worth everything. Everything. But society tells them that their worth, like you mentioned, is dependent on the clothes that they wear. Yeah, what are you wearing? The shoes that they have, the car that they drive when they're 16. Do you play a sport? Are you popular? That's exactly right. And so we have to make sure first and foremost that we establish their worth based on their true worth, on what's on the inside and what's what's important. Now that has to happen in our homes. If we think that's going to happen everywhere else – we're mistaken. Right. So if we can make that really strong in the first place, it puts them in a position that when they hear the median, when they see it and they are experiencing it, they think, oh, that doesn't define me. I already know who I am. And so that's a really key thing to and that's do. Just, you just, that's not even just saying it, is it? It's kind of just living it, talking about it, recognizing it regularly. It's... That takes more than one event. Absolutely. It takes everyday concern. Now, what we tend to do with this one as parents is lots of times we judge them or make statements, even subconsciously, about the results, and those results then define their worth. We're constantly saying to our girls, oh, you look so cute today, or you look so pretty today, instead of how smart they are or how hard they worked, or the dedication they showed to finish the essay that was due for their fourth grade project, right? Right. And so in their minds, they think, oh, do I look cute today? Oh, is this because my mom and dad- that got mom's attention. Right, are always saying, oh, that skirt makes you look so cute. And if you give no attention, then, and you're always ignoring them, then wearing a skimpy skirt- Right. Is going to get some attention too. It's exactly too. right. And there's there's just this fine line. It doesn't mean we don't compliment them because we want them to know that physically they can be confident yeah. too. Absolutely. Yeah. But we don't want that to outweigh the comments that we make about the energy and the effort they put into that's living cool. their lives. And so that's kind of the differentiation here. Now, the other thing is we have to teach our children where happiness truly comes from. Now, for years, I mean, hundreds and thousands of years, even back to Aristotle, he did extensive studies on happiness. And he found that that true happiness comes from gaining intellectual knowledge, living a moral life, and building relationships with other people. Hmm. Now, society right now tells us happiness comes from fame and money and and beauty and iPhones. (laughs) It's exactly right. right. And so we have to help our children feel through experiences, oh, what really makes me happy? Is it that new pair of shoes? Or does more happiness come when this relationship gets strengthened with my family? And that's tricky because when you buy a new pair of shoes, you feel a chemical. You do. You absolutely do. Oh, that was good. We do. And we feel that. But we have to help them see that what they're feeling, that is just stuff. It really is. And that'll burn off in a half hour. It's disposable. It's very disposable. And if we took those things away, and that's the problem, we just keep having to get more and more stuff to try and keep us happy. Now, if we're seeking out happiness for the right reasons, we don't have to keep doing that, mm-hmm. right? Because we're surrounded by what that makes us happy. Now, again, this is where we have to teach them. Kids aren't naturally going to go out and figure this out themselves. So we have to put them in situations where they feel genuine, true happiness and can recognize that. That's so cool. And that's our job. And then, and so our job as the parent is to put them in those situations 
and then help them recognize it's it, exactly talk right. about it. It's almost like a debrief, you yeah. know, when you're dealing with, you know, counseling or coaching, when you kind of break things down, you do something and then you debrief about it or in a business meeting. We're doing the same thing with our kids. Don't sit them down and say, today I'm going to teach you about true happiness. Now we're going now, to learn about happiness. Or, you know, today we're going to, you know, <laughs> combat consumerism. Right. That's not the approach. Just casually make sure that there's the time to spend so that you can weave into how did that make you feel? Hmm. Same That's as that new cool. shirt or same, right? right? You work through those things and then they pick up on it. Then they deduce themselves. Now, the coolest thing about them deducing all of this on their own once you prompt is that then they actually think they came up with the ideas, which means they trust right. them. Well, that's right. And yeah, so it's not about you. Right. They buy into it, right? right? Because it's like, oh, I figured that out. Oh, yeah, that's how I feel. When really we helped them get right. to that point. No, nothing wrong but with that. But that's just asking the right questions. And then just sitting back and letting the lesson appear. It's exactly right. And helping them recognize. So we've taught them who they really are. We help them. And this is ongoing. See or feel what true happiness is. We want to teach them then to be a contributor, not a consumer. And it's important to differentiate here. Contributors are asking themselves, what can I give back to this situation? Hmm. Consumers are always saying, ooh, what can this situation give me? Right. What can I get out of this? What can I get out of this? How can I do the littlest possible but get the most back? Yeah. Now, naturally, we feel that way unless we help our children learn or train them to feel otherwise. So use those two words. Say, hey, how can we contribute to this situation? How can we be contributors? And they'll say, well, what does that mean? And ask them, what is it that we can give here to these people or to this situation? How can we make it stronger or better? If we can teach them to have that mindset every time they walk into something, that's great. They won't constantly be sucking from right. from society. Because here's the thing: successful families don't just take; they always give back to a community. If you think about how we live, we naturally need to be consumers. We we need to consume. You gotta eat. You we, gotta. Yeah. We need clothes on, or we go to jail. I yeah. mean, there's things. No, we ask have. James. That just happened. He tried it. It didn't work. Right, Embarrassing. James. <laughs> so we have to consume. But the key is to not be that excessive consumer. Yeah. And to help them understand. Okay, we need to. We need to take naturally, but the key then is to be giving back. Also, you know, we take because we go to public schools and we join the little league team and. You know, we use a grocery store. That's yeah. consuming. But you can also a, – a, a child can contribute by having her homework done. That's exactly and right. And being ready so the teacher doesn't have to carry her and right. do other things. And the parents can contribute by being in the classroom. And sure, we're going to use the school, but we're also going to contribute. We're and give back. We'll give back and yeah. – And support, right? So those are really the, the kind of the different key words you can use. And even a two-year-old can understand how can we make this better yeah. or how can we make them happy. So that – that differentiation between a contributor and a consumer, start teaching that really young that. and ask, and how I, can we make this better? And if you can if, – if they know what their gifts and their strengths are, mm-hmm. then they always know one thing they can contribute. So always. if they're fun or funny or if they're focused or if they're a good leader and mm-hmm. they know that, then just – Contribute leadership. Give what you can. Whenever there's a situation, just go to your go-to. Go to leadership. That's exactly right. And that's coming from where we started today, which is helping them see their worth. Yeah. When they see their worth and they recognize what it is they do have to contribute, it gives them this opportunity to go into any situation and build it up instead of constantly knocking it down, knocking it down. Heather Ann Johnson. Hadge. You're soaking in it. (laughs) 
That is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. That's Madge. That is Madge. And you are Hatch. An icon. An icon. An icon. Uh, like you. There we go. Heather Ann Johnson in the house. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue soaking in it. <laughs> we should say soaking it in. Not in it. It just sounds like it's like yeah. in a hot Can we tub. modify that? Can we, you know, come on. You're soaking it in. <laughs> You're soaking it in. Uh, we'll come back more with Heather Ann Johnson from FamilyVolley.com. You're listening to the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Heather Ann Johnson is in the house, a.k.a. Hatch. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. Oh, Heather, we love having you here. Today she's teaching us about how to make your kids uh, more of a contributor in life, not just a consumer. It's too easy to just keep buying stuff to grow their identity, their sense of self-worth. But instead, we want to facilitate their growth, their contribution in life. Welcome back, Hatch. Good to be here. What else you got for us? It's a good topic. It's a great topic. Well, we've worked through the need for them to understand their worth, where happiness really comes from, right? We have to combat that. Yeah. Because of media. And it's hard because as parents, we get sucked in really quick. It's it's just so much easier to just buy them the pants. For now. Even though the pants are like, are you serious? (laughs) Son, you're going to get beat up. I know. The the key to this, though, is we have to remember as adults, we have a long-term vision. Yeah, that's true. It's really easy right now to just say, fine, here are the pants, or here are the new shoes, or here's the eighth pair of shoes. Instead, we have to say to ourselves, we are raising children to become grown adults who contribute to society, right? That, right. We want them to be That's that kind of person, right? And so, and we want them to be self-sufficient and self-maintaining. To do that, then we have to keep that long-term goal in mind and not get caught up in the here and now. Uh, this reminds me, one of our favorite book series for our children are the Berenstein Bears. Oh, I love those. Old school, but every single one teaches a fantastic mm-hmm. lesson. And one of the books they have is called Get the Gimmies. And have you read that one? Oh, yeah. And brother and sister get the gimmies. They get throw the fits. gimmies. And, oh, they were spoiled little bears. They, they were. And Papa keeps giving in, giving in. You know, he's at the store and he doesn't like the fit. And the problem is, as parents, we want to avoid the temper tantrum in Target, so right. we give them what they want. Yeah. But really, we've just taught them the complete wrong lesson yeah. for life. Now fight, right? and you get what you want. It's you exactly think right. a bear wouldn't have that problem. You you would think that, but just, you know what? They get the gimmies too. Yeah, sure they, they do. They want those selfish. I can bears. hear all the like sugared cocoa puffs, all the <laughs> things going through my mind. But that's where, as parents, we have to say, you know what? I will take the two minute fit you're throwing. Uh-huh. I will be the one who picks you up leaves my cart, walks out to the car to teach you that that's not how we're not doing this. We're not doing that. We're not going to be that type of consumer. We really are going to contribute. And so we have to be very cautious. Uh, other things we can do as parents is we have to teach our kids to be responsible and care for what it is they do have. Oh, yeah. What it is that's right in front of them. Now, this starts by not buying excess in the first place. For example, if we buy our child a baseball glove or a baseball mitt because they're going to play, if they decide not to care for it, so they leave it out in the rain on the grass one day and it gets ruined or you know stiffens up the way gloves right. do, the answer is not, oh, you weren't responsible. Let's go get you another glove. Yeah, no way. The answer is, you know what? That's your baseball glove. You needed to take care of it. 
you made this choice and as a result, here's your consequence. That's great. Right? And so you we, can work it back. Absolutely. Go rub oil on it. Absolutely. Go work it in. <laughs> it's exactly go break that thing in again. But you have to realize if they don't understand the need to care for what it is they mm-hmm. do have, we could buy them a hundred million thousand baseball gloves yeah. and it still doesn't teach them any lesson except everything is disposable. Oh, and that's a consumer mindset. That drives me crazy. I deserve more. I can get more. It's all disposable. Yeah. Just give me a new one. Oh, yeah. Right? My kids will use my computer and it'll come back with like yogurt all over it. Right. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> Which is gross, first of all. Yeah. And then, you know, the space bar is stuck. And Uh so, you know, I, when I think of this, I think of a time I have, I grew up in a household where my mom, she's very patient, so patient that in, you know, my 30 plus years, she's never raised her voice a single time. Not once. Very patient. But my brothers, they were baseball players, and my brother had these strength shoes that had huge, almost spring heels on them. And you used to practice in them to to increase your vertical leap, you know, your jump and your power. And she asked him and warned him repeatedly not to leave those shoes in the back of his pickup truck at school. And the lesson wasn't being learned. He wasn't caring for her things. And totally out of character for my mom, one day she drove by and she just picked those shoes right up out of the back. And tucked him right in her car and off she went. That's great. And so out of character. But I'll tell you, he came out of practice and those, you know, $300 pair of practice shoes, he was just beside him. How am I going to tell my parents? What am I going to do? But you know what? (laughs) He never left anything in the back of that truck. Absolutely. And so we have to learn responsibility as adults, but we have to teach our kids. So we want to teach them to care for it. And if they're not going to, replacement is not our quick fix. It's not. Or they become that consumer, not that contributor. And if they want to replace it, great. Go go earn some money. Great. And now you can again learn how things do cost money and energy and effort and decide, was it easier to just tuck those in the cab of your truck and lock it or was it cooler to leave them in the back of your truck? That's so true. And maybe delaying it before you give it to them anyway and they have to earn their way into it. That delayed gratification. We do. We live in this society where especially children, they want it right now, Mm -hmm. right? Even fast food. Have you ever sat in a fast food line thinking, this is taking so long? Are you kidding me? long. How pathetic is that? That as adults or kids, we don't realize, oh my gosh, we we don't even get off our rear ends and someone's going to put food through a window. Well, you have to kill the cow. (laughs) And we're complaining about it, right? We're complaining. It's so true. One more. Give us one more thing we have to kind of focus on. You know, one more thing is we've got to teach our kids about credit. Mm. And I know this sounds a little bit different, but we've got to do it really early. We always think, oh, you know, what? when they go off to college, we'll worry about those things. But they're watching commercials every day and hearing in the media every day that as long as you have credit, you can have whatever you want. That's right. And they don't realize what credit really means. And so I think this is a really powerful one. When they're very small, start to teach them what credit should be used for, why it is important, so that they don't get sucked in by the right. media saying, hey, 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 if you want that toy or you want that car, you want those shoes – credit. It's your best friend. Just get credit. It's exactly right. And so all of these things come together, you know, with comparison. We've got to help them tame technology. Technology is bombarding. Mm -hmm. And technology brings up what we call lifestyle envy, where they're looking around and they're envying lifestyles. It used to be we could only compare ourselves to the Joneses because they lived on the right and left of us. Right. We knew who they were. Now we compare ourselves to everyone in the whole world. Oh, that's when my son wanted a phone. He's like, 
All of my friends. Every – and he started listing them. <laughs> Everyone. I'm like, I don't even know these people. I do not care. His list of 50. Yeah. Right? And you yeah. go, how do you know that? And he knows it. There's technology. Yeah, they all have them. Right. Everybody has a Telling. fond dad but me. Yeah. Comparing. And it used to be that really all we could do is look at the lawn next to us and say, ooh, that guy's lawnmower. I yeah. like it. Or that car. Yeah. We want that new van. Now we – So interesting. But lifestyle really envy. That turns into adults too. It does. It does. And it starts as children. We envy someone else's lifestyle. We envy what they're wearing. Or that they went with their family to Disneyland yeah. three times this year because they watched they it on, on Instagram. Right. I know. My kids are like, why don't we ever go on long trips on airplanes? <laughs> and if our kids do want something, you know, in our house, we we impose a 30-day rule where if they, they want instead of a need, we say, okay, put it on your 30-day list. And if after 30 days it's still that much that's, of a want, that's a good idea. then revisit it. Until then, what really usually happens is, one, they've completely forgot it's even on their right. list or they've lost the paper they put the li- – little so things true. like that. If we can delay it just enough, they will come to realize what's important and what's not. And that's coming from us, being good examples. Her name is Hadge, Heather Ann Johnson. She doesn't like the nickname. I do. It's, it's endearing. It's, I've, come, I've grown to like has it. it. We're soaking in it. We are. Yeah, I've grown to like it. You're soaking in it. An icon. I just keep remembering that. You are iconic. Yeah, there we go. Like from the 50s. There. <laughs> <laughs> like a 50-year-old, 50s a 50 nail. Year old. <laughs> not a 50-year-old. You're like from the 50s, a nail worker. A nail worker. Awesome. You're soaking in it. It gets better every time we describe it. It's so true. <laughs> go to her website, familyvolley.com. Heather Ann Johnson, tons of information. And just, she's got the right spirit, too. Uh We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking to those guys, those wascally guys from uh, BYU Sports Nation. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. That's the hoedown music, which brings to mind every day Spencer and Jerem from BYU Sports Nation. Nobody can have a hoedown quite like those two cowboys. How are you guys? Fantastic. Yeah! Every day. Every day that music lifts our spirits. I love that. Our spirits. <laughs> You're right, Jerem? Yeah, I'm good. Um, you guys were having some technical difficulties before. I think you were getting some feedback that you didn't like. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys were getting a little restless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's this weird feeling because you can see us and we can't yeah. see you. It's a creepy relationship. You know, today I can't see you. Uh, I can just see some professor standing at the podium. <laughs> Unless oh. that's you, Jerem. No. Did you, grow is, a gray, uh, did you grow a gray the beard? The devotional or the oh, forum prep. That, I don't know what it is. It. I, bet, I bet that's it. They're prepping on the forum. The deforum. Um, hey, gentlemen, how are you doing? You know, we're surviving. We're surviving. <laughs> the The fire of hope was... Lit to a degree yesterday with a conversation we had with one of BYU football's senior receivers, Mitch Matthews. He he compared what he feels now in spring football to what he felt as a freshman in 2009. And that's what BYU people do. They go to school for a long time. Long, long, After long, missions, long, long, mission long trips. time. So Mitch is a 12th-year senior. <laughs> and, uh, he's, he's actually 34. <laughs> he's 34 with six kids. kids. <laughs> he's, he's got us excited about... About 2015, because that 09 team had Max Hall and Dennis Pitt yes. and Harvey Unga and won 11, 11 games. games. That's right. That's so right. He's giving us false hope, basically, is what we're talking about. He's getting no, excited. But, but no, he, we're getting excited for the season. The prospect of 
good leadership of a, a good schedule where he could make a splash if he actually wins some games. Don't we still have uh, Stewart quarterbacking? Yeah, in spring ball only. Thirteenth okay. year senior Christian Stewart. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you know maybe when he leaves, you know, then it'll then what's going to happen? <laughs> Who knows? Then some then some slouch named Taysom Hill is going to take yeah. over. Is, is Taysom healing nicely? <laughs> is he is he back in the game? To quote Mitch Matthews yesterday, yeah. if anybody's worried about Taysom, they're wasting their time. He'll mm. be fine. Yeah, Captain America will be back. That's great. That is great. We the only need issue back. there, Matthew, yes. is that, and can I call you Matthew? Please. Or Dr. Jerry. Matthew. <laughs> call me is Matthew. Is that BYU, he's, he's so good that BYU tends to lean on him for leadership. Yeah. yeah. A la the Avengers Captain America. He kind of looks why. like Chris Evans. He totally right? does. He mm-hmm. kind of does. Physically, the best you know, Specimen. dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I don't want BYU to be in the same situation this year that they were in last year, which was Taysom went down and all of a sudden it's this black hole yeah. known as a four-game losing streak. Yeah. That, was, that, that was really bad. Taysom's so good that that happened. And, but he also, he kind of takes it on himself too, right? He's just going to get it done. Yeah. That, that, it's, That's it's great really and inter- scary. It's a really interesting dynamic. It's yeah. a great and terrible thing because he is the most physically talented quarterback BYU's probably ever had. He could play safety. He could play mm-hmm. linebacker. He could play running back. Yeah, uh, NFL receiver. Scouts, NFL scouts, a number of them are looking at him not as a quarterback, but just as potentially something else. A fullback. He's that athletic. A receiver. You See, know, a slot receiver. He reminds me, and I'm not trying to suck up here, guys. He reminds me of you two. He reminds... Because you're invaluable. You could play any position. And... Wow. Um, in Little League Baseball, that was kind of my role. But like, no, I'm not even talking on the field. I'm talking professionally. Well, Matt, that's the All nicest right. compliment you've ever paid us in the t- right. two weeks that we've been doing this. I know. I think it's, it's, it's actually been longer than that. I know. It, it, it feels like, but time flies. Doesn't time fly? You know what? But he's he's the real deal. Except I'm afraid because uh, you know that's how I pulled my plantar fasciitis was getting into a chair. Doing like my 15th hour of radio in a week. I'm worried about, uh, we, so yesterday we discussed whether or not I can run a 4.9 40-yard dash. What's okay, the? Okay, 4.9 seconds. Yeah, what's the answer? And I said, I can do that. And everybody called me out, including those behind the scenes and on scene, Jerem Jordan, here in studio. <laughs> and I'm a little worried that I might pull yeah. some plantar fasciitis. Yeah, no, do you know what? Let <laughs> me come work. some other things Let when me I come, do this. Yeah, let me come work with you. <laughs> a little bit, because I've got some tricks, because I did a television show about a year ago. In fact, Heather Johnson's here. She caused the problem. Uh, they made me like, anyway, they made me do some activity, and I pulled my hammies, uh, plural. Didn't even know I had to, by the way. pulled both of I your pulled hamstrings? both hammies, yeah, just on what TV. What in the world? I was just bending over trying to pick up a bag with my mouth. <laughs> <It's> got to <laughs> stretch out, man. So uh, I, let me come stretch you out there, Spence. I'll... I'll <laughs> I'll guarantee you, you'll be loose as a goose. <laughs> we, okay, I, I, I can't Har- guarantee you'll run a four nine though. Harvey Unga just ran reportedly a four nine. He's wow. faster than that. He's faster than that. Yeah, they said the watches on. were off. So when Spencer said I can run a four nine, we're having Harvey on today. This is so huge. I'm going to ask Harvey. Why don't you, you think just do Spencer it today? can run faster than you? Just let's just do it today. We're going to do it on going. Friday. It's okay. pro day for BYU. We're going to do it on Friday. We're going to put. We're going to put Spencer out and just some short. I'll, little tights yeah, only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, <laughs> by the way. Run, we're going to run him around. Speed suit. Yep. We're going to record faster. a vine. It's six seconds, so he's got to be 
one point one under that, right? <laughs> so we can easy. see the whole thing. Easy, dude. Do you know easy. what is so great? Anytime you wear really, you know, short, short, tight, short clothes, you always run faster. You're just embarrassed. <laughs> get me out of here! You're trying to get off the too field. many people. Too many people watching. As fast yeah. as you can. Okay, I'm gonna. I, I will be there for that, and I'll. We'll. We'll. Uh, we'll get y'all stretched out before then. Okay. Pro day. Friday. Mark it down. Pro day. Did they? Did just to be clear. Did anyone ask for me to do anything that day? Um. Just checking. Not as of yet. We'll follow okay. up. Yeah. Though. Just ask. We'll follow up. Just see if there's anything I can do. I only have one leg. That's good. <laughs> Just check That's in. all kickers need. One it's, of your hammies is permanently it's, sadly, destroyed. Sadly, it's my left leg that I can't kick with. <laughs> oh, it's your plant plant yeah. leg. Yeah, my Dang plant it. leg's the bad leg. So Anyway. Okay, boys. Uh, again, uh, so exciting. And we look forward to your show at the top of the hour. Thank you, Matthew. Keep Dr. Strong. Matthew. Dr. Matthew. Matthew. Dr. Matthew. Thanks, boys. Be good. Yeehaw. That's cool. I don't know what it is. I just want to be like them. I don't. I don't ever get to go meet athletes. It's sad, James. It's sad. They just keep you in this room, just confined, me, confined in this people. room, no air. Yep. <laughs> Are you all right? Sorry. Sad. I'm just getting a little emotional. Or is it that you just lack air? <laughs> anyway, they got a good gig. They got a good gig. Heather's still here with us. Heather Ann Johnson. Um, she couldn't get enough. You like those guys. They're they're good guys. Aren't they great? They are. They do a good job. And they, you know, they know what they're talking about. They do know. And you know about. sports because you're a tennis player. A tennis player. I played some other stuff too. Tennis is my favorite though. But mine too. You know why? Why is it for you? Oh, I don't know. There's a great challenge in tennis that I love. Yeah. I love that. What's your What's the great challenge that you love? Like. Like if I just like hit a little drop shot right over the net and you were back at the baseline. Yeah, I love I love the skill. I guess the trickiness and the skill that's involved in tennis. Mm-hmm. I really like that. And I like how it can be an individual or a team sport. So I preferred to play singles just because I didn't like it when somebody else messed up and it messed yeah. up my game. But I like I like doubles. This is so weird. I like doubles because it's faster. It is faster. And uh, I also like tennis because it has the word love in it. It does. <laughs> all good things. Those are all good things. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't want to brag, but I had a killer serve. You were pretty good. Yeah. I like to play the net. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I I prefer the net. And I liked a backhand I, and some spin. I, I prefer st- some spin. Are we still talking about tennis? Yeah, yeah. we are. I love uh, I love a lot of spin. I put a lot of spin, partially because I have a really bad backhand, so I kind of <laughs> use a chop backhand that just puts a little backspin. Which on. is mean, oh, and, it's horrible. and it's so great, but it's deadly. It is, and that's the beauty of it. Anything deadly in tennis is fantastic. I, I wish I could play sports still. You you could a little stretching. I think you'd be good. Yeah, that's what they say. You you do know you have this this studio here where you could invite anyone in to talk, like athletes and all of that. You know how you were saying, you know, I come. wish I could meet athletes. I wish I could. No, we ask. They don't. Oh, come. they don't come. Well, no. Okay. We've got some great guests coming up. I, mean, I can't drop names yet, but let's just say huge. They're good. They're big. Big league. What did you have to promise them to show up? Uh, donuts. Don't. Hey, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. No, no. That's but, inexpensive. You know, it's like six days of donuts yeah. for me. <laughs> that's Oops. what I'm doing for my uh, reception. Is donuts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Just grab a couple dozen uh, donuts and set them out on the table. He's got yeah. some Hostess boxes that'll be sitting there. Yeah, How's everyone your... can take a sleeve of Hostess donuts. <laughs> yeah. How does your fiance feel about that? Great, saving a lot of money. So. Okay. They're having they're having a truck, 
a catering truck okay. show up at the back door okay. and idle right. in its diesel fumes, and they're just going to serve donuts. Just out bring of Art City Donuts. Just yep. bring them in through the back. Yep. There you go. Is that the company? Yes, actually it is. Well, <laughs> based on that, you should get free donuts. <laughs> They're really good. If you haven't tried them, you should. They just knocked off $50. Art City Donuts? Art City Donuts. Yeah. Uh, do you think they'd give free donuts for the show? Uh, in exchange for some advertising? No, we can't do that because that's – yeah, we, we don't do that. Here. That's not our style. Oh. We like to pay for everything. I'm sure you <laughs> – don't we all like to pay for I everything? I personally like to pay double for everything. So, again, J- James is getting married to uh, McQuanka. McQuanka. That's her. Um, That's her stage name. McQuanka. Yeah. There we go. She has several. She's she uh, was willing after he got her knives. Did you hear about all this? He, I did. He bought her a knife. I was set. here for the knives. It was right? the most romantic knife set I've ever seen. You carved hearts and initials into the handles, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, with the knives. With it the was knives. really cool. <laughs> I think it, I, he actually sa- it says, "Our love cuts deep." <laughs> They're all dull now from all the carving you did, but yeah. they have beautiful handles. Yeah. It's weird. It's totally weird. Well, James, we're proud of you. Uh, do you have any – you have about 30 seconds. Anything you want to ask Hadge, the queen of family, this is your shot. Go easy on me, James. What am I supposed to do to prepare to get married? Oh, boy. Gee, I, don't, I only have 30 seconds. <laughs> now you got 20. You know where you need to do it. You need to start by remembering what day you proposed. February 18th. Nicely done. Nicely done. Because that was the first question you failed. Yeah. What was yeah. the first time – what was the first day you kissed? First day we kissed? I do not know. You're dead. There, there's DLA. maybe your second. Dang it. And you do know your wedding date, right? Yes, May 2nd. March okay. 3rd. March 3rd. You missed it. You're in trouble, dude. Hadge, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. We're not going to quiz each other on those dates. I just think it'd be embarrassing. Okay. For one of us. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass you. Me. <laughs> hey, by the way, there is still the countdown. 39 days, 6 hours, 22 minutes to the wedding of the millennium, the Birdsall Fest, and Maconka. We're going to take uh, – we're out of here. That's the end of the show. Again, remember, we can't do the show without you. So come back again tomorrow, three hours, to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead the ones you're with This is the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for joining us. Back tomorrow.